A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Welcome to it. It is Fight Night on TalkSport, your home for boxing every single Saturday night. It is an absolute pleasure to once again be back in the studio with the one and only Mr. Gareth A. Davis, who is obviously just listening to a couple of interviews that are about to go out on our show there, my friend. Great to be back with you after my Jolly Bobs. Did you miss me? Oh, I did a lot, actually. It's lovely to be back with you, lovely to be in the studio, and, uh, you know, we're right in the heart of a busy fight season, so I'm glad you're not sunning yourself in Ibiza like you've been for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's quite refreshing, actually, Saturday night, not to actually be in the middle of a show where we're trying to cover a fight as we're doing the programme. The big fight tonight has already happened over in Chelyabinsk in Russia, deepest, darkest Russia on the border of Kazakhstan uh, where Anthony Yard has gone toe-to-toe with Sergei Kovlev for the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. If you are dashing home at this moment in time to maybe watch it because you've been out for a bit of dinner or something... Uh, then maybe just dip your radio down for the next 10 minutes. Because I don't want to spoil it for you, because you're a fight fan as much as I'm a fight fan, and I don't want to spoil it for you. If you so if you've taped it and you're going home to watch it, then maybe the next 10 minutes of the programme isn't for you. Do that, we do that these days? Do, do, do we well, kind of like put things on hold because it's if like... If the boss is listening, he's going to go off his head at me because I'm tell, it, telling people not to listen to the show. Go and watch the fight and then come back to me in 10 minutes. Because <laughs> I wanted to say, towards the end of the fight... Um, all right, I won't give it away now. We were watching it in the green room here. Yeah. I was tapping away, doing my report, and you were off your chair, Loving on it. your knees, Loving on it. the ground, urging Anthony Yard on. I'm not going to ruin it for anyone at this point. Well, we're going to ruin it. It was a very a dramatic last third of the fight, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we're going to speak uh, throughout the course of the show, just before you obviously go and watch that fight, and, or maybe just stay with us for the, uh, the analysis of it. Uh, we are going to speak to Charlie Edwards, uh, the WBC flyweight champion of the world. He's going to be on the show. Robbie Davis Jr. is going to be joining us as well. Uh, as he sets up an unbelievable domestic ding-dong uh, with Lewis Ritson. Lewis Ritson himself is also going to be on the show. As is Ted Oh, there's Cheeseman. some heat between those two, isn't there? It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. I yeah, like yeah, a bit yeah, of domestic yeah. needle. Yeah. Uh, Ted Cheeseman's also going to be on the show. Uh, and uh, earlier this week, I caught up with Luke Campbell ahead of his uh, showdown with Vasyl Lomachenko, which is happening next Cannot week. Cannot wait for that. Peter mm. Fury joining us shortly as well. Absolutely. So we've got lots of guests on the show. We've got lots of talking points. And I've no doubt Gareth's got a say or two on uh, James Haskell joining Bellator MMA. So we'll <laughs> have a little bit of a chat about that. Uh, but right now, we are going to get stuck into uh, Kovlev Yard because it did happen earlier on. Uh, the ring walk times were 7.30 with this happening over in Russia. Um, and it was a case of the great unknown, this fight. Could the young man, the inexperienced young man, could that age, going in against the wily old fox, the seasoned world champion, could he, could the energy that he brings to the fight be too much for the seasoned campaigner? It wasn't to be, uh, because Kovalev eventually got the job done. But sometimes in defeat, there's a lot of pride to take uh, from such an escapade and such a, a learning experience. And 
Anthony Yard can hold his head up high. Well, look, I think, you know, we know going into this contest that that Sergei Kovalev had, had, um, was going into his 16th consecutive world title uh, challenge. The, the, the WBO title he was defending, he won against on a night in Cardiff, I was there, when he absolutely destroyed Nathan Cleverly and he first signalled himself, mm. not just as a world title challenger, but as an elite fighter. And since then, when you look at his records, you know, uh, Bernard Hopkins, these are names, if, if people are listening and are not boxing fans, Bernard Hopkins is the oldest, heavy, uh, the oldest um, uh, champion in history. He, he, he was a champion middleweight, uh, he's a record holding middleweight champion uh, a, a light heavyweight as well he's an extraordinary fighter, two fights with a guy called Jean Pascal who had amazing battle with, with Carl Froch two fights with Andre Ward one of which he was out boxing Ward in the first one in Brooklyn, I was there as well and and Ward finished his career a couple of years ago as the number one pound-for-pound pound boxer in the world in many people's views. So Kovalev had come through. I mean, God, he'd, he'd, he'd even ended someone's life after a fight in the ring, Roman Simakov, way back when in, uh, in Yekaterinaburg um, years ago, a guy who went into a coma and had dived afterwards, mm. a vicious puncher with a 76% knockout ratio. And what he did in this fight... He old man, he was eight years older than, than Anthony Yard from Hackney, who was 28. He old manned him, he outboxed him, he got his jab going very early and he dominated the fight. The trouble for Anthony Yard going this, he'd knocked out 17 of his 18 opponents, had a very, very small amateur track record, 18-odd fights, 12 fights, sorry. As an amateur, yeah. As an amateur to, to Kovalev's 200-odd and had only lost a couple of them, Kovalev. Just to put it into perspective of what you've just said, Kovalev has had more world title fights than Anthony Yard had, had fights. In, uh, had uh, uh, amateur fights. Uh, amateur fights. But almost as many... professional tonight. But, but, almo but almost as many world title fights yeah, as, right. as, as Yard had fights. So this was Yard's first world title fight. But the problem we had going into this fight was, um, on paper, I, I mean, I would not have put my Datcher um, on Yard winning tonight. If I was putting my Datcher on anyone, it was on Kovalev winning mm. on points. We know in the end, I'm going to reveal it now, he got an 11th round stoppage. He won the fight. It was an amazing contest because Yard showed great resilience but massive inexperience. Yes. But what he did do was he nearly broke the old champion in the 7th and 8th round. He found a pattern in the fight by going to the body in the 8th round. We were both screaming at the time. He's found the method. We saw it last week in an MMA fight at heavyweight. Yes. Stipe Mio in the fourth round against Daniel Cormier in a, in a harrowing heavyweight fight again, he found suddenly ten uppercuts to the a body. A way to change the, the momentum the pattern of, the fight. of the fight. And what and, and Yard had taken so many punches by that eighth round, mm. he didn't have enough in him, and it came down to experience. Where was in the build-up to this? In, in his career, the fight with Hosea Burton at light heavyweight. Where was the fight with Callum Johnson? These are the fights he should have had on the way to this contest. And that was what we didn't know going into it. What we do know now is that he's got heart, courage, a great chin. Kovalev is a big, big puncher. Um, and I think he'll come back much, much more strongly from this contest. And I think we haven't heard the comments yet from Kovalev, Ed, but I think we'll hear Kov Kovalev say, this guy's got it to be a world champion in the future. Well, let's hear from him. He did come up short tonight, did the Lion, but his opponent paid him an awful lot of respect. I went for it. A lot of people don't go for things because they're scared of they got fear. I'm just going to bring Sergei in. Fight. You're a great fighter. Really, really. Uh, hard, you know, like, you. yeah. You have a great future. Thank Believe you. me. Because, like, you, 
You're good. You're very good. So, okay, one, yeah, one good just life. quick question, because I know you'd like to answer me just quickly. Were you impressed by how by how good he was, how strong he was, how brave he was? Yeah, he's, he's strong, you know. He's like, uh, he has an IQ, you know, like something like good defense, you know, and tactic, you know. Just, believe uh, me, uh, he has not enough uh, experience. And uh, I, I want my experience, and uh, because I'm, I'm uh, Sergei Kovalev, Russia, you know, I can't lose any more. Enough. Right now, I got the right training camps, right life, right everything what I do every day right now. And he will be a champion. There you go. Uh, that was obviously the interview post fight on the television from BT Sports. Steve Bunster giving a little bit of an interview for. Uh, Sergey Kovalev paying an awful amount of respect for Anthony Yard and he's kind of saying the exact same thing which a lot of boxing pundits will be saying over the next 24 to 48 hours about that performance experience told at the end well that was the problem you know that was uh, they, they gambled didn't they him and his, his coach and and, uh, and and French trainer Tunde Ajayi and, and also Frank Warren the promoter they gambled that this was the right fight at the right time and that Kovalev who'd lost two fights to Andre Ward had lost to Ada Alvarez that, that he could be broken and he almost came within a whisker of breaking him at the end of that eighth round with those body shots. Because Kovalev was out on his feet. And, if, and Buddy McGirt, his Hall of Fame trainer, Kovalev's Hall of Fame trainer, was saying to him, Adam, as you heard yourself in the corner, you take any more punishment than like that. And I am, as a 36-year-old man, I'm pulling you out. I'm not letting you take that punishment. Because mm. his hands were down, his mouth was open, and Yard was on the point of finishing the fight. So there were so many tangibles, uh, positive tangibles to take out of it but we went into it with the imponderables it does not surprise me at all what happened I thought that Anthony was going to be more aggressive um, earlier on I and mean, he was dominated by Sergei Kovalev's jab which is brilliant frankly early on and I thought we were going to get a similar fight to George Groves against Chris Eubank last February mm -hmm. in which Eubank threw everything at Groves but his boxing in, boxing skills saw him through I like the way that Kovalev is giving Did we not kind of get that a little bit? Because the boxing skills most certainly saw Ko uh, Kovalev through. I mean, the way that he oh, managed yeah, totally. to... I mean, at, at that eighth round, when Anthony Odd is throwing the kitchen sink at him and we're all thinking, is he going to take him out? The round stops, you're thinking, if there's another 10 seconds, he might get him. But the way Kovalev comes out in the ninth, he was absolutely outstanding. He was incredible. And, and he, he, he imposed his will on the fight again. He got his jab going again. He, he got his right over the top. He went for the body as well himself. And what he did was he used his vast experience. He's been there before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it's like, it's, it's the same in every sport. It's the same in every profession. It's the same in everything you do. You groove away. It's the same as being in the trenches. You do not know till you're in the trench whether you've got it or not. Can you drag your comrade back with, with no legs left? Are you going to do it? You know the people that can. We know now that Anthony can go a long way with, let's face it, that guy's the number one light heavyweight in the world. He was ranked 13, 14, Anthony, before this in the world. For me, he he missed out and they made a mistake on those fights I mentioned. Callum Johnson, huge puncher, yeah? Huge puncher. You know, um, Anthony might have got, had to go through a, two or three rounds of hell in that fight with Callum Johnson, who'd been letting his hands go. He's one of the heavy, heaviest punching 175s out mm. there. Um, you know, a, a good fight against Hosea Burton, who's got good skills, that's what's missing. I'd like to see him go back 
yeah. now and fight have those guys back. and build. Only only Br- back, have those fights. Have those, you know, Callum Johnson, who was he in with last? Arthur Baturbiev. People like that. So go and measure yourself against those guys now because Anthony's got something. There's no doubt about it. But what they did was they tried to accelerate what happened, uh, what was happening for him, and get that title. Listen, they would have been considered geniuses if they'd come back from Russia with that belt. Um, and if they'd managed to... We were both saying it, that, that Yard was going to be dangerous all the way to the end of that fight because there's a huge difference between being 28 and 36 in a grueling fight. Mm. Kovalev is very close to the end now. Mm. Um, what next for Yard, your opinion, is to go back just slightly to go and fight those big go British Go fight a domestic... British, a European and okay. a Commonwealth. Simple as that. There you go. Um, Anthony Yard beaten in the 11th round. Sensational fight. The first half of it most certainly dominated by Kovalev. Gets to 7 and 8. Anthony Yard throws the kitchen sink at him and nearly has him out of there. But then the old man shows his experience, boxes his head off and takes him out in the 11th. A lot of hearts again uh, for Anthony Yard, who dared to be great. Do stick with us. There's lots to talk about on the show. We've got Charlie Edwards and... Robbie Davis Jr. coming up in the first part. You are listening to Fight Night here on TalkSport. Hey, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davies alongside me. Uh, if you want to correspond with the show, you know how to do this by now. You can do it on social media. My handle is at Adam Catterall. And it's at Gareth A. Davis DT. If you want to include us in your thoughts on the uh, fantastic effort from Anthony Yard against Sergei Kovlev as he fell short in the light heavyweight division tonight over in Russia, you're more than welcome to do so. And we'll obviously uh, use that as part of the narrative of the show. Lots of guests coming up. I believe that we've actually got one uh, awaiting for us now. Um, the one and only Mr. Uh, Peter Fury. Do you want to put him on the line for us, boys? Peter, how are you? Are you well? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Great to have you on the show, Peter. Just, first of all, obviously, before we talk about Huey and his upcoming fight, um, I think it's only fair that we get your thoughts on what you saw tonight, because I've no doubt you were watching it. You're a boxing man. Anthony Yard falling short against Sergei Kovlev. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, firstly, congratulations to Anthony Yard. I had the pleasure of meeting him once. Nice kid, and uh, as far as the fight goes, uh, Kovalev was getting his jab. He was landing his jab from the first seconds of the opening round, so he was... um, he was getting the distance very early on, which didn't spell good news for uh, Anthony Yard. So he, he got outboxed, but it was expected. But he put a gallant, gallant performance. And for somebody who had just 18 fights, stepping up to that level, he'd done very well. Peter, the, um, I was just saying before you came on air, I don't know if you agree with this, that one of the things I felt that was missing, there were so many intangibles, so many imponderables going into this. We, you know, we know that Anthony's a very tough guys, physical, um, and we know what Kovalev's done. He was going into his uh, 17th world title fight in a row. To you, and I was making this point, why hasn't Yard on the way up through this fought to Callum Johnson and one of your relatives, Hosea Burton? He should have surely had those fights on the way up and it might have taught him something for this occasion. I don't think so because they're far below the levels of Kovalev. Now, the problem is he said himself he doesn't look at videos. Well, that's a silly mistake which he needs to rectify because Kovalev is very weak to the body, and mm. that's what set up the that's what set up the eighth round because mm. he's connecting to the body, hitting him, and that's what done the damage. If he'd have come out in the first round, just because Yard couldn't get the, the shots off and the distance to the head, he should have just targeted the body. But because Kovalev, with the experience, was fainting behind the jab. He mm. just couldn't get past the jab, and that that was the downfall of the fight, really. But if he just went to the body, 
and just uh, come in, bobbing and weaving, and let the shots go to the body, it would have been a far different outcome. Talk to me about the learns that you think he'll take from this, because your boy Huey has obviously stepped up on a couple of occasions, you know, daring to be great, going up against Joseph Parker, and obviously going up against Pulev, and he's got another cracker coming up, which we're going to talk about in a moment or two. I'm sure you've seen the, him develop, not just physically and mentally, off the back of those fights. How do you think it'll affect Anthony Yard? Well, sure, you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's great for these young fighters to step up, go over there to Russia, get it done. He can gain so much from it. And let's not forget, Kovalev's a big puncher. So he was more, he went down more with fatigue yard mm. than what he done from a shot. Yeah, so he, he's got a big future. You know, he needs to take stock from it. Uh, he needs to get his distance right. But just, he lost sheerly on inexperience. And that was going to be the telling factor. I predicted what would happen before the fight. I thought he'll do himself well. But even in the eighth, I thought he's definitely got him. You know, he, he mm. was all over the place. So, like I said, he put up a gallant performance and he can only take good things from it. The loss means nothing because it's who you're losing to. And if he'll learn from it, which is intelligent, he will. He'll be a good good fighter, Yard, and he will, he will get there. It's a shame, isn't it? Again, it was probably an experience that... Because Adam and I were watching it in the green room here, Peter, and when he went to the body in the eighth, and clearly very uh, very much had uh, Kovalev a few punches from finished, um, we, were, we were shouting, he's found the pattern to change the fight. Mm. And yet, the inexperience and maybe all the punches he'd shake, taken through the contest, you know, he wasn't able to implement it the next round. Because if he continued to do it, he had time to get Kovalev out of there. Look, you know, when you're taking four shots like that, round after round, round after round, yeah. they take a toll. Yeah. And, you know, he give it he, he give it a big push in the eighth, and that's all he had. You know, he emptied his tank, plus the punishment he was taking. Let's not forget, Kovalev's a big puncher. Mm. So, like I said, that's what drained him. But what he should have done in the first round, obviously his boxing wasn't working because Kovalev was finding the jab. When he come back to the corner... Corner should have really said to him, look, you're not outboxing this guy, roll in, work the body. You're not hitting the head, you get caught by the jabs, you know, force the issue, start working to the body. But, you know, it's all right looking in hindsight. Yeah. Like I said, the experience just wasn't there. Mm. Now then, Peter, let's talk Huey. Uh, does he not fancy taking any easy fights? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because he likes to get in there with the big boys, doesn't he? He does, and, uh, you know, like I said, he's, uh, he's, had, he's had two fights, he had... He took one injured against Pulev, and he's, uh, he's obviously Paul Parker, so he's had a lot of experience, Huey, and, uh, you know, he's more than ready for this fight. You're talking, of course, of okay, about Alexander Povetkin. Yes. We're looking at the desert, part of the dust-up in the desert on December the 7th, aren't we? Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you're going to prepare for that and, you know, um, what your reservations were, if you had any, about going to Saudi Arabia to fight with Huey there. You know, Huey fought all over the world. Let's not forget, in his first five pro fights, he fought in five different countries. Mm. Madison Square Garden, mm. his second fight. Canada in his first fight. You know, so it doesn't really, it doesn't bother you. He's been everywhere. But I thought Saudi was a good place. There's only two hours difference. The reception was very good there. You know, we just, we just went out for walks in the evening to get used to the climate. Um, we didn't go out in the blistering heat because what's the point? We just, <laughs> we just got ourselves used to it. We went out, we went out um, nine days before, but it was it was good facilities and the uh, venue was second to none. It was uh, we had no problem with it. 
And tell us about Povetkin. I mean, it's a brilliant opponent, in my view, in terms of where it enables... You don't have to tread water with this fight. It puts you in a very strong position with a victory, doesn't it? I'm not even looking at anything like strong positions and leverage or anything. I, I need to... Ewing needs to learn how to fight. You know, I believe he's, he's come on leaps and bounds. That's why we've took this fight. And I'm looking forward for him to turn the corner and, and you know, come out of his shell, so to speak. You know, he's been in, he's had, he's had fights, he fell short, although there's been circumstances we thought he won the Parker fight and whatever, doesn't matter. He still never performed how. He, he's grown into the sport. And that's what you've got to do to be a world-level fighter. Let's not forget, UE turned professional at 18 years of age yeah. in the heavyweight division. Mm. So he's starting to come into his own. And I believe on the 31st he will do. Does it, does it annoy you a little bit? Because like you, you rightfully point out, he turned pro at 18. He's still a young boy. He's still, I mean, heavyweights, he hasn't probably got his full man strength yet. He hasn't fully grown into his physique as of yet. And he's kind of learning in, right in front of us. And therefore, okay, he's come up short against two uh, world-level operators. But a lot of fans, they're very quick to write a lot of people off, aren't they, Peter? Yeah, but let's not forget, has Yui ever been in a fight where he's been wobbled, been in trouble, been stopped? You know, you know, in the, in the second round of that, um, when he came out for the third round against Pula, yeah, you see how ghastly that cut was. Yeah, it was mm. nasty. You mm. know, this kid rallied on the full twelve rounds. Mm. You know, like I said, he he is as tough as Teak. He has got world potential written all over him. It's just it's just the, his age. That's all it is with Yui. So, like I said, he's coming to mature years. And don't get me wrong, we know we're seeing the best of him at the moment, but. He needs to turn a corner in this fight. We've got to see a much better UE than what we see previously. He's up against a, a very, very good opponent, and I believe we will. I think he is formidable. You only have to look at his Olympic gold um, and, and the, the danger he's shown whenever he's fought anyone, the, the trouble he gave Anthony Joshua early in their fight, you know, what he did against, uh, the power he showed against David Price. One of the things I've heard you say when you talk about the improvements of Huey is, is, is getting him to sit in on his punches a bit more, Peter, and land more power. And you've been working on that with him, haven't you? Yeah, I wouldn't look too much. When you look at the Samuel Peter fight, that was different. We've got a guy here... That was a mad like, fight. Peter, Peter, have you ever seen a more mad... You must have been pulling your hairs out in the corner, no? Well, t to be honest, it was what it was, you know. He was, <laughs> he was boxing safe again because yeah. we didn't want to... He's a big puncher. We knew he'd come swinging for the hills, uh, Samuel Peter. So it was a case of boxing safe on the back foot. It yeah, but it looked like a fight behind a pub, uh, behind a pub car park at, at times from Peter. Not with Huey, but Samuel Pete, Peter didn't want it. Sa Samuel Peter. I mean, it's one of the worst. Um, deliberate fouling fights I must have seen for a very long time I'm surprised you didn't get in there picking up by the collar and throw him out of the building Peter knowing you I'll tell you what he's he, too big and heavy to pick up I'll tell you what though you know we talk about fun and games yet after the fight you know he's such a nice guy out the ring and I said to him I said uh, you know what's all this for the shoulder he went look he said I just needed to get out of there he said I couldn't do anything with him uh, and I just got out of there you know there was no problem with the shoulder and he admitted the same you know he never, he never even seen the doctor about it <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh, it was comical but he tried everything on. he tried throwing the kitchen sink at you but yeah. it never worked for him <laughs> we're looking forward to obviously his, uh, his fight with uh, Alexander Povetkin listen Peter thank you so much for joining us and obviously going through the uh, Anthony Yard fight we wish you all the best in, uh, in the training camp as we build up towards this looking forward to it
Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Cheers. Uh, Peter Fury there. Um, his boy, uh, Huey Fury, taking on Alexander Perfekin. It's a fantastic introduction because what we haven't mentioned there, actually, Huey's uh, done a promotional deal now with Matchroom Sports. And obviously with Eddie Hearn and his uh, allegiances to what's going on in America and over uh, here in the UK, if Huey Fury, I know that Peter doesn't want to talk about leverage and where he, his boy can go off the back of this fight, but if he beats someone like an Alexander Povetkin, he is right in the mix of the biggest fights that are available in the heavyweight division. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I know Peter wasn't necessarily agreeing, but, you know, I mean, Pavetkin is a name th- who is there floating with... I mean, he, he, I think he's, he's clearly top five in the world in terms of boxing ability and on his days as good as anyone. Um, and, I, and I think it's a great opponent for Huey. Mm. I mean, you're right to bring up, by the way, sitting down on punches, because that's my biggest frustration with Huey. He's a phenomenal boxer. He's brilliant. His footwork's great. Yeah. He's, he's very, very technically gifted. And Peter's gifted. right. He's never in trouble. We haven't nope. seen him in because trouble. Because he's technically you know, brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. He yeah. just needs to sit down, trust his power a little bit more. Mm. That's all mm. he needs to do. I, th- I think it's partly, and I think Peter's kind of um, almost hinting at it. I mean, I know how hard Peter is on him as well. I, I went up to visit them in Lake Windermere a couple of fights ago and um and uh, and peter was i don't mean shouting at him it's his son but he's incredibly tough on him and um and hugh is kind of giving him corner of the eye looks like he's pushing me hard in this camp it was the ones where he was having to put, put a, a sheep on his yeah. shoulders and run up the hill put army fatigues on swim across lake windermere get on a canoe and there's canoe, all the wood cutting and all, all the that, wood chopping mm. p- running pushing giant tires up a hill all this kind of stuff and um and peter i was, t- I was doing an interview with huey and i think huey was in was trying to make the interview go on as long as possible because <laughs> he wasn't going to go for another hard session <laughs> and i'd had but peter was going 12 minutes are up get in there and 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 the thing is this um, Peter is a great coach. We, we, he was when he was with Tyson Fury. Remember, he's the guy, remember, I mean, we must never forget this. He masterminded that victory over Tyson, uh, over Vladimir Klitschko for Tyson Fury. And he was brilliant in the corner. He was brilliant when they tried to put too much sponge under the ring apron. He was brilliant when they played around with the scales. Um, Peter Fury and John Fury together, the father and uncle of Tyson Fury, they never let Klitschko and the German Federation get in their heads. He's a brilliant sage man in the sport. And I do think he'll take Huey to a world title eventually. Mm. But Huey's so young and he's just coming out of himself. You know, he was on the scene at 18. He's a huge man. He doesn't talk a lot. He's incredibly diffident and and, and introspective. And I think he'll grow with the years. I agree. Uh, stick with us. Uh, we've got plenty of guests to come on uh, the show. We're also as well going to be speaking about the biggest stories of the week, one of which being Conor McGregor and his uh, interview over in the United States. And we'll also be speaking about James Haskell signing up for an MMA career from uh, leaving rugby behind. You listen to Fight Night here on TalkSport. Fight night on Talk Sport. Let's get a world champion on, shall we? That's well, what we do. I, I, I tell you what, I've got my Ozzy Osbourne look on tonight because yeah. I think the guy we're going to speak to now. Yeah. He's had his David Bowie look on recently. Have you yes, seen it? Yes, he has. Yes, yeah? yes, yes. He's, and he's got that vibe. He's got that look. Yeah. And, and as well as that, with you being uh, a bit, you've got that rocker look. Uh, this young man, after every single victory. Adds to his tattoo collection. Indeed, there you go. You and see. they are fa- they're a fascinating array of tattoos. They are. I've, I think I might have written a story about all his tattoos at one point. It's listen, so interesting. Listen, the way that this kid fights, he might run out of skin because he beats everybody up, man. <laughs> he might get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Charlie Edwards, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? 
Hi, yeah, I'm all good. Uh, thanks for having me on. No, always, always, always welcome on, mate. <laughs> is that is that fair that if I've got my Ozzy Osbourne look on tonight, you've got your David Bowie look? Have you still got that blonde I, trim? I actually, I actually do. I've been to the hairdressers yeah. all afternoon, getting it topped up. So all afternoon, Charlie, Charlie, you're 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 a boxing world champion, and you've been in the hairdressers in the, in the, all in afternoon in the, in the beauty oh, salon been, all I've afternoon for for four hours. So, so did you have... I pulled the hard work done now, so now it's time just to <laughs> kind of I always come... say look good. Fine feel good. good. Just, good. Look, <laughs> look, come clean. Do you have the pedicure as well? No, I don't. I don't however I used to. I used to, when I used to go away fighting for GB, I used to get my my feet like cut back all the hard skin. But as I turned pro I started doing that in my pro fight. And it started causing blisters. Obviously, when you're doing 10 rounds... Too soft. Need... Yeah, yeah. You need the hard skin on your feet. Look at this. World champion, yeah? He's obviously fighting next weekend, and now he's thinking, right, I've done all the hard graft. I need to obviously get my shorts sorted. There's a... I bet there's a few Diamantes knocking about on them shorts, isn't there? There's a ring... Uh, there's see, a... <laughs> there's see, a... you're, you're one step ahead of me. You know? <laughs> I've, already, I've literally just unpacked my shorts. I, I, I just tried it on yeah. about 10 minutes ago, and it was funny. I started shadow boxing around the room. <laughs> And it's like this time next week I'm going to be fighting at this time, so it's it's all it's it's all good practice. Ready to rock and roll. Listen, you have made the uh, O2 Arena your home. I know that obviously there's going to be a lot throughout the course of fight week about Luke and Vasyl Lomachenko being top of the bill, but you're on there as a uh, world champion. You are fighting against your mandatory challenger. Mm-hmm. How much of a buzz do you get now every time you walk out at the O2? Because it's a very special place for you. This is where you, yourself as a pro, shot to fame. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the O2 has been a massive part of my uh, professional journey. Everything's really gone down there. I won my first title there. I made my debut fight there. And then I got beat against Casemiro for my first yeah. world title. And then I come back and uh, won it in spectacular fashion against Rosales on uh, the 22nd of December. So it's always been a close... I always say it's my home, home arena. Obviously, I'm a London boy. So, um, born and bred. So, um, it's nice to be down there, nice to fight in front of the London crowd because it's, it brings a real London crowd down there. And it's like, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's the mecca of um, London boxing. Yeah. They, they seem to bring the entertainer out in you. Obviously, we've just been speaking and having a bit of a laugh and joke that you've obviously been getting your hair ready for next week. You've been getting your shorts <laughs> ready. Uh, but in that last fight, my friend, obviously, you, you proved that you can box, you proved that you can fight, and you proved that you can dance a little bit in the middle of, yeah. uh, in the, middle of the ring as well, didn't you? Yeah, 100%. Like, that's, the, that's the art of um, boxing. Like, you've got to be able to do everything well. And um, when you get when you get fights, especially like my last one at the Copper Box, I was really able to, um, to showcase all my different kind of attributes. But I'm really looking forward to this fight because I've gone up another level. Now I'm a legit world champion. I've had one of my defences. It's actually put my confidence through the roof, but not in a cocky or arrogant way. It's made me... I've all, I always thought... I always thought I could do it. I always thought I was a world champion. But now I really, truly believe. And what I'm doing in the gym has kind of gone to a new level. I'm actually learning so much more from my coach, Grant Smith. He's really like up, upped his game as well. So we're both on the way all the way to the top. He's actually just been nominated for the, the um, British Boxing yeah, Coach of the Year. Yeah. And I've also been nominated. So we're like on the same journey and we're both striving and so hungry and hungry more than ever, to be honest. 
So it's no Hollywood for you, baby, even though you're getting your pedicures and your diamantes no. on your shorts. And listen, seriously, um, what is interesting about this fight, Julio Cesar Martinez Aguilar, hablamos español un poco, no hablas español, Charlie, I love, no? I love it when you do that. Um, <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> He's showing off now. He does. I'm, he does. I'm not showing off. It's just I'm using my, <laughs> um, I, I used it to great effect with Oscar Rivas and Adam. He, he, Adam, was, Adam was blushing at me when yes. I used it with Oscar Rivas when he fought uh, Dillian White. Um, let me just just ask you about Aguilar, okay? Um, you, we know what he's done. He had a very good win over Andrew Selby. Yeah. yeah. So we've had a good look at him. Unusually, in your world title run, he's a guy who's less experienced than you, slightly younger, very hungry. I, I think he's a very good fighter. Again, stylistically good for you, orthodox, but stylistically good for you to, to show that counter-punching that you've showed so yeah. brilliantly, that timing when you meet someone coming towards you. Am I correct in that assessment? Yeah, yeah, 100% you're correct. He's um, he's a real, real tough challenger, to be fair. Like, he, um, he's, he's someone that if you had to pick, you wouldn't pick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you had a voluntary decision, you wouldn't give it to him. So, like, he, he's the man that challenges. He's worked his way all the way to, to the position. And it's um, it really excites me, this fight. Because he is a big puncher, and um, I always perform better when I'm under pressure. And I, I'm, I'm going in this fight as the world champion, but I've still got that challenger's mindset, mm. you know. So um, I know he's going to come with everything. He's going to chuck the kitchen sink at me. You know what these Mexicans are like. They're mm. tough, they're strong, they're game. They're not going to stop coming. So um, if, I think he's, he's, he is made for me stylistically, but uh, you'll see the best of me. You'll see my attributes you'll see how much i've actually come on as the champion yeah. how from rosales going into the fight you'll see a uh, 10 times fight and now going into this fight because i'm super zoned in no disrespect to my first defense i had sparred with him loads of rounds before so i knew what i was getting with yeah. with this one i've been so like laser focused in training and um, it's me and me and my coach grant smith was developing the game plan and um, the things I'm doing in the gym, I've been sparring several weights for this fight, and I've pushed them back. I'm growing, I'm getting stronger. My experience has gone up another level, and I'm just really looking forward to shining because loads of people are going to be watching, especially his last out in stopping Andrew Selby, who was touted to be the next big thing from Britain. So um, it's, it's a really good scalp and some someone I'm really looking forward to fighting. And um, I believe you'll see a, a new, new level to me on. Is, next is, is it fair to say this uh, about you, Charlie? Because I, I put you in um, a category with with a certain amount of fighters that need a little bit of jeopardy in the fight in order to bring the best out of them. The likes of Tyson Fury needs it. You know what I mean? When, yeah. when he's fighting someone below him, he messes well, not messes about, but you don't get the best out of him. When there's a you know, when there's a little you know bit of a is? yeah, go on, go on. Uh, do you know what it is with me? It's when when, when I fight someone who my back's up against it takes me to a new level. Yeah. I'm more zoned in, I'm more focused, where, as you see in my last defence, that I was still zoned in and focused because I'm an professional and, and I will, but I'm aware, I know, I'm, I, I'm not going to go too much. I'm not going to go beyond, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 100%. I'm comfortable in it, I'm enjoying myself, so I'll showcase my skills, where these kind of fights, I fight out of my skin, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you know that, as you just pointed out, the guy can whack a little bit, so there is an yeah. air, an air of threat there, which is, from a fan's point of view, being ringside watching that type of fight, 
I mean, this is this is why the, I suppose the O2 Arena is sold out. I know that we've got a fantastic top of the bill. We've got you on there. We've got some fantastic fights on there, and it's sold out extremely quick. It's been quite rare actually this year to have uh, big sold out arenas, and we've we've got one next well, Saturday. Very lucky. I think it was sold out before even the undercards was on it. So, <laughs> you, like Lemachenko, he is uh, he's a, a masterclass, and he's one of the best pound for pounds out there. And Luke Campbell's also a brilliant fighter going to the Olympics winning gold and um, it's going to be a great matchup so that fight kind of does sell itself and I suppose we're all added bonuses to it. Mm. In, um, in, in tattoo world, I was just about to ask yeah, the same yeah, yeah. question. In, in, well, we've got to do what, the tattoo what's thing. What's he got lined up exactly, next? Yeah, exactly. exactly that. Um, so in tattoo world, what, yeah, what, uh, what are you planning pre and post? Um, <laughs> well, the, the next next big piece I want to get is I want to get like my, my whole back covered with a big <laughs> elephant head and that signifies <laughs> Ganesh. But, but that, yeah, but no, 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 no. Um, like a real, real, realistic kind of elephant because it signifies um, being down to earth, grounded and humble. I thought you were going to talk about something else. I thought you were going to talk no. about your, uh, your, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and um, my mum's always loved elephants, so it's like for her. Homage, a homage to your mum. Because yeah, t- talk us through the ones you've had after the fight. Because for those that haven't heard it or are driving in their cars back from the football or whatever they're doing right now, um, tell us about your tattoos, because you had several after different fights, and they're fascinating, yeah. Charlie. Um, well, the first fight I had, my first of a tattoo was a lion with a, um, a cr- crown on his head, and that was because I was brave and courageous going into the um, John Real Casemiro fight. Early in your career, fight. yeah. yeah. And um, the crown was signifying I'm not stopping until I become king. And the jungle, uh, the lion's class as the king of the jungle. I've got the English rose on me, obviously being English. I've got uh, Zeus with lightning because I've always had a lightning left hook. A jab's always been like lightning. And um, again, Zeus is the king of the gods in the Greek mythology. And I've got a, an eagle on my shoulder because... That's an impressive got, piece. That's a big old piece, yeah. that. That's an impressive yeah. piece of work. And you've got the eye of... I've got the eye of the tiger as well. I've got the tiger's eyes on me. So when I lace my gloves up, it, the tiger eye just sits above my glove. So it's like kind of like a... I look at it and you're like, oh, it's showtime now. It's time to go to work. That's it, man. And and so I've now you're going to get a like, giant elephant on your back. That's yeah? it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and I've got yeah. blessed on my neck because I'm grateful and blessed with yeah. everything that's come into my life and all the people I do have around me and the support I get. Thousands of people listening are thinking, I'm going to get a tattoo tomorrow. That's it. That's it. I'm going to get a tattoo <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get an elephant on my front. That's where I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm going to get one elephant's ear on one thigh. Yeah, and it's another all right, all right, all right, all right. There we go. There and we a go. big trunk, never mind. <laughs> Listen, enjoy fight week because since obviously becoming world champion, I've, I've seen a real difference in your fight weeks. You're really enjoying that, mate. So enjoy all the media obligations that you got this week and enjoy fight night next weekend. Lovely, thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing me on the show as always. More than welcome. See you at the workouts on Wednesday, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Charlie Edwards, the WBC flyweight world champion, uh, defending his crown against Julio uh, Cesar Martinez at the O2. That is next. Julio Cesar Aguilar Martinez. There you go. Sorry, I I didn't do the accent. There you go. Anyway, it's happening next week. Mexico, 24 años. Sí. So, there's a little bit more coming next whilst I learn a bit of Spanish. Still Snoop Dogg and DI. Guess who's back? Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Plenty of guests still to come on the show. We've got another one lined up for you right now. Um, and this man um, 
when performing recently in his home city of Liverpool, we saw a lovely little backstage video that went viral <laughs> between this, him and yeah. uh, his next opponent, which is happening in Newcastle. Are you talking October. to me? I loved it. I loved What's it. What's that? You, you, your Spanish accent? Welsh, no, it's my Welsh accent. Your Spanish accent better than you Because I thought Robbie was Welsh for rather than <laughs> Listen, he came up with two brilliant put-downs in that whole conversation. Yeah, the, I know. It's the, very, very good. The first one was referring to his uh, opponent, Lewis Ritson, as a maggot, which uh, which I kind of <laughs> like. And then he referred to him as a melt, which you couldn't get more scouts, Robbie Davis Jr., could you? You couldn't get more <laughs> scouts. <laughs> if, you, if you tried, you could not get more scouts at that moment. You don't Can you know what melt means? No. You Love Island, I'm not messing, because it's meant to be an idiot, because that's what I got it off. Yes, yes. <laughs> And then obviously you've got Mel, you've got Maggot. Have you got any more in the locker for maybe uh, fight week in October when you hey, guys? Do, uh... do you know what? Do you know what? I didn't know I was on camera there when that happened. So um, I done well only coming out with them with. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously the performance at the Next Gen Show on Friday night, which I was uh, very lucky to be at. It was a great performance, and then just the way that you then responded to the crowd, where you were going, "Where are you at, Lewis Richard? Yeah. And then I think I was I think I was heated before I got in the ring. I think I took it out on the opponent. <laughs> Just a touch. Listen, as boxing fans, we love narratives. This narrative was set up obviously backstage on that particular night. How quickly was it all done and dusted, mate, that the fight was made? Do you know what? It was it was already penciled in anyway. So like me and Lewis had never really had a spat before or anything like that. And um, then he must have just felt the need to come round the back and hype it up a bit, which is fair enough. Because when he first said something, I didn't say a word. It was only obviously everyone's emotions are running high, and me coach Dave shouted to him, um, something like "Shut up, you muppet!" And then and started shouting my mouth off. Because before that, I was thinking, "Hang on a minute, have a bit of me coaching that." Have we lost him? Have we lost Robbie's signal? Oh, we got him. We got him. We got him back. I can hear you, Rob. Are you there, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll ring you back, ring you back. Let's see if we can get a better line because I obviously want to hear from uh, Robbie in that altercation because it sets up a fantastic fight. Let's be honest, in this division, we've got some red-hot British talent. Robbie Davis Jr., um, you would think at this moment in time, he is the king of the castle. Does he gain much from a fight with Lewis Ritson or does he stay in, this, in, in a similar position? I think Lewis Ritson's got more to gain than uh, Robbie Davis Jr. in this particular fight. Well, in fact, good... Robbie's here now. Is, I've just been yeah, speaking to Gareth, Robbie, about the about the gains in this fight. And now I was yeah. just saying to to Gareth, I think uh, I think Lewis Ritson's got more to gain in this particular fight with you than you have with him. Would you agree with that or not? Yeah, definitely. Because at 140 pounds, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't even fought a legitimate 140 pound opponent. He's fought a lightweight first, moving up with him at 10 stone, and then his last opponent. Which wasn't his fault, to be fair. He wasn't meant to fight here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jedrzejewski, yeah, 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 yeah Mark yeah. But he was only a super featherweight, the mm. only got put in with uh, mm. in his last one. So he hasn't actually fought a legitimate 140-pound opponent. But where, for me, where I do want to move forward and aim for the stars, um, all the 140-pound world titleists, they're, um, they've either got mandatories on them or they're all taking unification fights, so... Basically, what am I meant to do? Sit on the fence for 12 months? Yeah, good point. And then well, there was well, a potentially a, a big fight for me there with Lewis. Um, 
I didn't really think it needed all the hype going on about it, but it's just added to it. Well, what's nice about what's nice? Yeah, what's nice about you, Robbie, is that obviously you had the loss to Sirotka, but you avenged the loss. So in many ways, your 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 record's unblemished, and you and you've climbed again, as you say. And he's the one who lost in the division he couldn't handle because he he wasn't defensively savvy enough. And I said this um, when I was watching him early in his career. He's a terrifically on top, aggressive fighter. He's a powerful. But, but, you know, against the guy he lost to, who, um, and you'll know this, you've been around, you know, yeah. you're four years old, and you're, you're 29 now, aren't you? You've been around a long yeah. time in the game, you've been, you know the game inside out. When you fight a guy that's been involved in kickboxing, they are always incredibly tough for the first 15 minutes, yeah, first for yeah. five rounds, because they've been kicked to the body till they can't take it anymore. They are always durable, and you go through those f- first five rounds, you win those first five rounds against them, you've got them beaten. And he hasn't learnt to be defensively savvy. And that must be, especially as he's coming up a weight as well, something that you're really excited about being able to exploit in this contest. Well, in in all my fights, people have probably always seen get on to now. I always come on stronger in the later yeah, rounds, especially yeah. when it comes to the championship round. And mm. um, with Lewis, like he's only really had his one hard fight where where it was like back and forth with Patera, and um, the fight he lost, and that's his mm. only fight where he's had to really dig deep. Mm. All the other ones, he was just blowing them away, and then even his next two or ten stones, he were limited opposition. He's never had an had a, a, a been in fights where it's back and forth. They win around, then you win around. He hasn't been in them sort of battles yet, especially not a ten stone, and especially with a ten stone as big as me. Because I honestly believe there's no one as big as me in this weight. Regarding the way that this fight will play out, a lot of fight fans, me included, actually, would say he's dangerous early, and then once it gets to maybe the fourth round, it's your fight for the taking. Would you agree with that? Uh, I know. Obviously, I, I will respect his power because, but I don't know how powerful he is. Like that Argentinian who we fought, he hit him with the kitchen sink of the first four or five rounds, and he was still there firing back after that. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm. And I'm a, I'm a lot better, a lot bigger, a lot stronger. I'm the full package compared to that fighter. Do you know what I mean? So, but I will respect him. What from what he's done at lightweight, he he blew through the division. So. I won't just go in there and think, oh, this is going to be an easy run for me money. I know, and especially in his back garden, he's yes. going to be hyped up to death with all the fans behind him. Don't get me wrong, I'm bringing a fair few down myself, but and I know if you were in your back garden, it'll get, add to the fuel for you. So I'll be on my game, especially for the earlier rounds, but I'm, I'm super confident going into this fight and then hopefully a win, beat Lewis, beat him good as well, and then I'll move on to bigger and better things. I was going to say, regarding the, the destination of the fight, uh, Newcastle is where this is happening. Obviously, Newca- uh, Lewis is uh, from Newcastle. You're going into his back garden. Knowing you as I do, Robbie, I bet you there was a little bit of a twinkle in your eye, actually, when that was suggested of maybe uh, going up into somebody else's back garden to uh, to do a job on them there. When when our first little spat started with me and Lewis, it probably started because of a, a miscommunication I had with my manager. Because I was like, well, at this time, I was still British and European champion. I was going, well, why am I going to it? Why am I going to Newcastle? Why isn't he coming to Liverpool? And he went, well, they're not come. They don't want it in Liverpool. So me assuming straight away, I thought he means Lewis and his team don't want it in Liverpool. So I bang a tweet out saying he doesn't want it in Liverpool, but don't worry, I'll go to Newcastle. <laughs> and then, then Neil rings me up and goes, 
my match room don't want it in Liverpool. They want it in Newcastle. I was like, oh, well, it's too late now. I'm not going back on what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 Just leave it. You know what I mean? Ro- ro- Obviously, <coughs> everyone, it, 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 it must have done his head in me saying that. So then he started tweeting and he was ranting on, but then... I just sent a picture of a fishing rod and grenades to say I've just blew Twitter up there, so just started with that. <laughs> um, Robbie, um, you know, you're, what are you, six with the WBA, you're ten with the IBF, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, w- I probably would be ranked with the WBC by now, but I've, I've, the forms, what they give you today, fill in, I've done them wrong twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, really, okay. <laughs> but, but, you know... He said I've got to fill them in before I get ranked. <laughs> yeah, obviously at the moment, Josh Taylor's sitting there at the top of the IBF. Do yeah. you? Do you? We don't know fully what's happening with him in Re- Regis Progress at it's the on. moment. It is on, but it's been on and yeah, it's definitely on. It's definitely obvi- but, well, obviously, Ludabella and Regis Progress yeah, have got yeah. the couple of million that they were owed by the WBSS or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, do you feel you match well with Josh Taylor? Because I feel you do. Yeah, well, we box as amateurs, me and Josh. So yeah, we you were a GB team well. at the same time as well, weren't you? Yeah, like similar that, time, we, yeah. I was captain, I captained yeah. England and he captained Scotland. Yeah. And we fought up in Scotland and yeah. uh, I don't want to go into it, but <laughs> it was, it, it, we, they'd won two fights, we'd won two fights and me and him were the decider. He was in Scotland, the rest was history. You just can imagine what went on. Let's <laughs> have a world title fight between you two at some point then, please. Oh, do you know what, that would... That'd be music to my ears because it, it, from where we went, from when we when we boxed as amateurs, like um, it was like I went back into the mill and grinding, and yeah. Josh went on to have this um, starlight amateur career then um, with GB, and then for us to both to come back around, just two separate ways, and both make it back to a world title fight, it would be something. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I'd even, Completely uh, agree. To, 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 to even see him and just be like. We both went our separate ways, but we're back here again. Do you know what I mean? It, it would be good. Do you know what I mean? Top, Top stuff, man. mate. Listen, Thank you very much. Robbie, enjoy camp. We're looking forward to this in October. Take care, man. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate it, lads. Have a Thank good you. night. Thank uh, you. Robbie Davis Jr. joining us on the show there. His opponent, actually. Uh, Lewis Ritson's going to be on in the next half an hour or so, so make sure you come so we'll and join us we'll pump that up a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, Ted Cheeseman will hopefully be joining us as well. And as Gareth just pointed out there, we are going to hear from Luke Campbell, who's fighting uh, Vassal Lomachenko, but you're also going to hear from Shane McGuigan uh, in the next part, uh, well, in the next hour You've or so. You've been chatting to him. Yes, I've, I've chatted to Shane, mainly about the fight next weekend, but I did mention the progress and the Taylor situation, and he's given us a bit of clarity. Lovely. So you can hear it in the next hour here on Fight Night. You listen to Talk Sport. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport, your weekly home for boxing edition. This is where we bring all the big boxing news. We stick it in one big place. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, just a quick one on whether you're out and about and you're only just dipping into the show because, I don't know, you go into a restaurant in between pubs or maybe you're uh, doing something else this evening. This show is available via podcast uh, and we would like you to subscribe to it on a week by week basis and therefore you will never ever miss any of the things that we talk about all the great guests that we bring you on a weekly basis they're all on there for you all right so what you're looking for is fight night you can get it on itunes or you can get it via the talksport website talksport.com all you got to do is hit the subscribe button we're on everything itunes google play spotify you name it you can get it there and then every single week uh, normally on a Sunday, you will get this show in your inbox and you can listen to it whenever you wish. All right, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, now then, the guest... Basically, we... you can listen to the show afterwards whenever you like. Yeah. Is that right? I'm trying to sell it. That's what I'm no, trying no, to do, No, 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 I know. Like... I know I could have done it in three <laughs> words, but I'm trying to sell it. What's your point? No, I loved it. I love it. Sell it, sell it, baby. Are you, you going to subscribe? 
course I am. Right, you make sure you say, you're, you're, will, on it. Sub- you're on it. Subscribe. Right, I'll subscribe in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this man's going to be on this week's edition of the podcast. <laughs> Our next guest is ready to rock and roll. He's got an absolute domestic dust-up. A big showdown lined up for Newcastle. We've just been speaking to one guy that's on that mm-hmm. card uh, in Robbie Davis Jr. Another man that's on that card in a different fight. It is, of course, the one and only Mr. Ted Cheeseman. Ted, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Yeah, all good, mate. You? Yeah, I'm good. Are you going to subscribe to the podcast? Yeah, 100%. Good lad, that's what we like to hear. Good in man. the morning or tonight? <laughs> straight uh, after. Straight, no, no, no straight, straight after you've done your interview, you go and subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> in the morning, I love it. Uh, now listen, uh, we've got an absolute cracker. Up in Newcastle, it will be booming with atmosphere because obviously in a fight uh, that involves Lewis Ritson, who's a native up there, all the locals will be coming out, but I've no doubt you're going to be taking a few up from London, my friend, to defend your British super welterweight championship against Scott Fitzgerald. Talk to me about the magnitude of this fight and what it means to you as well to get back in to defend that crown. Yeah, um, it's a really good fight for me. Um, Scott, at the moment, obviously, is getting talked about probably as one of the better, the best um, super weights in, in Britain at the moment because, obviously, the win he had against it over Anthony Fowler. Mm. But, obviously, I think now, once um, I get in the ring with Scott and we have a fight and I'm very highly confident I'll win, then I'll be back to where I need to be. And, obviously, I had a few bumps at the start of the year or whatever, but I've, I've got past it and... Now I'm just pushing on, learning a lot in the gym. I'm still only 24. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to this fight. Well, you say bumps, um, and we've got to give a bit of perspective to those bumps because one of those bumps was most certainly a a significant step up. Um, You're obviously, the, uh, as I mentioned, the super welterweight British champion. This is what you're defending against uh, Scott Fitzgerald. But one of those bumps was obviously stepping up at European level. Tell me what the learns are from that fight. That was against Sergio Garcia, obviously. Huge step up. The European Um, super welterweight title. Yeah, to be honest, that fight changed my life because uh, mentally I weren't right before that fight. Obviously, I was I was doing a lot of things wrong outside of the ring. Obviously, I've always trained really hard and um, always been very dedicated. But I was obviously being I was a gambling addict, and obviously everything started falling and falling to pieces. Like with any addiction, you have it all might be alright at one point, but then it starts falling to pieces. So obviously, I never got to show a real show of myself that night, and you can see in the later rounds. I sort of tortured myself over it. Do you know what I mean? I was letting put my hands down and let myself get it. And I think a lot of people are criticising me that um, I take too many shots or whatever. But when I boxed Byfield, I walked him down. I took shots to get him to land more. And when I boxed Conway, that's exactly what I done. But obviously after the Garcia fight, everyone was looking at oh, Ted taking shots, Ted taking shots. The only fight I took shots relentlessly was in the Garcia fight, and he was a world class fighter. He was number two in the world. He went on and beat. Rabchenko after that and I'm sure he'll end up being a world champion by the end of the year if he gets his shot and Mm. it just shows you like obviously I'm 24 I took the step maybe it was a bit too soon Uh, I'll never know um, because I weren't mentally right but for me it was too soon because I I weren't everything went right in in my um fighting thing because I weren't doing everything right outside of the ring. Ted, I, w- so, I, just w- I just want to touch upon that because we, we've obviously spoken to many fighters uh, and we know the psychological aspects of this sport. We've, we we've, we speak to Dave Allen quite a lot and he's he's very vocal, obviously, with his own gambling addiction and obviously where that sent him to. Just to, just for people listening to this who are fans of yours, give us, give us some type of perspective of, of what was going on outside the ring with the gambling addiction. Obviously, it, it takes over your life, you know what I mean? People... Don't think it's as bad, and and but people don't understand unless they've done it themselves. But look, I'm past it now. I don't want to dwell on it. Do you know what I mean? I'm 
I'm I'm recovering well. Um, I'm a very long time now without gambling. The longest I've been with since I was 17. So I, I'm in a good place. I'm in the best place I've been for a long time. Uh, has it helped? the best of me. Yeah, has it, has it helped? Good evening, Ted. How are you? Yeah, all good. Um... Adam was just doing a one-on-one with you there, so I thought I'd interrupt. Yeah, you're more um, than welcome. Um, no, th- listen, the little cheese came around a couple of months ago as well, though, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, you were 24 this week, by the way. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, little cheese came about, what, three or four months ago? Now, what's he, four? No, it's six, six months old. Six months. Just, just before the... Just, just after the... Or on the 27th of February. Mm. So was, just after the fight. Was that part of the turning point for you, having baby around? Um, yeah, and, but and obviously, I think when I was speaking to other people who were recovering and stuff, they say the addiction, you don't sort of admit the problem, and two, you have a consequence. And my consequence was losing my fight, which mm. since 12 years was everything I'd worked for. You know what I mean? To, to go all the way in boxing. But since then, it's like even as much as the help I've had, I, do, I wouldn't want to do that again because... Now I know the effect it had on me and I know what consequence it gave me. So now, as much as all the help I'm getting, I'm grateful for it because it's good and it's keeping me in a good place. But I know now I don't want to anyway. So it ain't, if, if, I, if anything was to go wrong again, it ain't like, that's my release, that's my stress thing. That's, it's just I don't want that in my life no more. My life's so much better from it now. And... Um, it was it was um, a learning, it's a learning curve, and I'm glad it happened because if I didn't lose that fight, I would have went and got another massive fight after that, got another big purse, and I would have wasted it. But now I'm back, I'm I'm looking after my money, I'm doing well, and by the end of the year I'd have turned myself around, I'd have, I'd have hopefully bought another house. Uh, and I'm pushing on. I'm still 24 years old. I know, you're such a young man. Yeah, it is really good, because I remember watching you live against Carson Jones thinking, yeah, this guy's going somewhere, like you said, and then we watched you again um, at the Copper Box against Asenio Byfield, which is a tremendous performance, and I don't know if I... I might have even been sitting with Adam when you fought Sergio Garcia. Mm. I think we might have been doing commentary that night. We were doing commentary, and and I, I remember us shaking our heads so much that this is not the Ted we've been watching. This is not the big cheese mm. we've been watching rolling into the ring for the yeah. last year and a half. There, I mean, I'm so glad to hear it because it just something didn't seem right against Garcia. You never had a rhythm. You never yeah. found your range in the fight. And in the end, like you say, you let yourself be a punch bag in the end, almost like yeah. you were numbing the pain you were feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course, that was the mental, that was the mental pain and I was punishing myself. But people don't look at that. They don't look at Ted's got a great chin because he just stood in there with a world-class fighter <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and boxed 12 rounds and never give up, even though he was going through a lot of rubbish outside. And I never straight after the fight come out and said, oh, it's this, that, and this. It's after when I spoke to my team and they said, look, it's better to get out because then no one can use it against you in the future. And it's great because now everyone knows. Before, I never admit nothing. Before, Tony or no one on my team didn't know. But now they do, so now I've got the great support and everyone's making sure that I'm standing on a straight and narrow, stand focused. And I've always been a fit and de- dedicated fighter, but I'm, I've got that, fight, that bit back in my teeth now to go all the way again. And I want to push, and this is a massive, massive fight for me. It is. Right now, everyone thinks um, Fitzgerald's going to beat me. Well, not everyone, obviously. The people around me are close, yeah. and my team who know why, that's why we push for the fight to be to be happening now. It's a very well-matched fight stylistically, it's I think. Fight. It's a great fight. It's, it's terrific. Fight. And yeah. what people don't realise as well is the last two fights I've had have been against awkward, awkward boxers mm. who, 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 who their plan is to nick fights to, to 
box mm. and that, and don't let you get close when you get yeah. close, hold. Mm. And that ain't that don't suit to my style as much as I'm working and stuff, and as much as I, I believe I really did win the last fight when I drew. Look, it, I, there's no point in dwelling on it. This is the fight that matters. I'm still, I've got the same opportunity of what I got as if I would have won the last fight. So the main thing is now is to be tunnel visioned and go and beat Scott Fish Herald on the October the 19th. It's, it's, it's a fan friendly fight. It can't, it can't be anything but uh, Flames, mate. It's, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Listen, all the best we uh, camp. Um, yeah. It's great to hear that you're uh, in a good mental state, my friend, and we're looking forward to seeing you in October up in Newcastle. Yeah. Take care. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Thanks Cheers, buddy. Top man. Ted Cheeseman there. Uh, he will be defending his super welterweight uh, a British title yeah. against uh, Scott Fitzgerald up in uh, Newcastle in October. Should be an absolute cracker. It's on the same card as the Ritson Davis Jr. fight. We're going to speak to Lewis Ritson, who is a man from Newcastle. We'll get him on the show in a moment or two. Don't go anywhere. This is fight night. It's a merry go round. Let's go. Uh, we're not playing games tonight. We never play games, really. Uh, fight night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis, you've still got Luke Campbell on the way, because I caught up with him earlier on this week, talking about his fight with Vasyl Lomachenko next weekend. Uh, and you're going to hear from his trainer as well, Shane McGuigan, who obviously talks about that fight, trying to unlock the puzzle that is Vasyl Lomachenko, and with him obviously training uh, Josh Taylor, we speak about the World Boxing Super Series final, that big unification at £140 between him and the Regis Progress. Is it on, is it off? You're going to find out in the next half an hour of this show. Now, uh, let's talk about a young man that is going to be uh, headlining um, in his hometown once again. Newcastle is where we're going, October the 19th. Uh, Lewis Ritson's going to be on the show in a moment or two. But before we introduce him, I'll tell you what, we, do you know what? You, we, we've got a wonderful chance here now just to just to add a little bit, even even more spice. I don't think it needs any more spice, this fight, but we can stick a little bit more spice on it because earlier on in the show, we had Robbie Davis Jr. on the show. That's who Lewis is fighting. Now, I know Lewis is listening. Right? I don't know why I'm whispering, but I know Lewis is listening. So let's play something from Robbie Davis Jr. just to get him going a bit. What, in the kind of... Yeah, Melton Muppet territory. No, well, you know what I mean. A bit like Don King. Just get it. Just get it going a little bit. Just, just see if we can rev, rev him. Yeah, up. we're promoting a fight. Let's yeah. do it. Is baby. that what we'll do? Let's do right. it, baby. Well, this Let's was Robbie it. Davis Junior talking about uh, Lewis Ritson's punching ability a little earlier on. And with Lewis, obviously, I, I will respect his power because, but I don't know how powerful he is. Like that Argentinian who he fought, he hit him with the kitchen sink of the first four or five rounds, and he was still there firing back after that. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm. And I'm a. I'm a lot better, a lot bigger, a lot stronger. I'm the full package compared to that fighter. Uh, welcome to the show, Lewis Ritson. How are you, mate? You good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I don't think it needs any more spice, this fight. You're ready to rock and roll, aren't you, you two? Oh, yes. Well, we're more than ready to rock and roll, I think. I think it's, uh, it's going to be a good fight, and I think it's it's going to it's going to be fighting tonight on the on most definitely it should be um now just i, I want to take you back to that next generation card in liverpool where we saw that video backstage and you two were having a little bit of back and forth now we know that local areas all around this fine country of ours have certain words that are used to put down others but they're, they're only specific to that particular area have you ever been called a melt before <laughs> have you ever been called a maggot before <laughs> No, I've most definitely not been called a melt, but I think Robbie must have got that from Love Island, last series, Love Island. That's right, yeah, 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 I think so, yeah, yeah. And no, uh, a maggot? Have I you mean, ever been called a maggot before? No, I've never been called a maggot. <laughs> <laughs> no, first time for everything, isn't it, lads? First time for everything. All good fun, mate. Listen, that performance that night, I mean, fair play to you. You were up in Liverpool, his hometown, you put on a bit of performance, you got on the mic. This is a thing that me and Gareth speak about all the time. When you get an opportunity, if you're looking for an opportunity for your next fight, when you put in a good performance, you need to get on the mic and rock it. You need to transcend. 
and you most certainly took that opportunity in front of Robbie's home fans. Yeah, well, funny enough, I, when I said it in Liverpool, I think half his home fans started showering. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, he's been speaking back and forth on the Twitter. That I'm, I'm not about that. So, I think it was definitely, um, you know, it was a bit planned before the, before the fight. Um, if, we, if we got the win, which we were confident we do, then we were going to rock it and give him a bit of stick, and that's what we did. Are you looking forward, um, since this moved to up to 140, everybody knows about your exploits at 135, fantastic, and then now the move to 140, because you're a big boy, so you've moved up to 140, are you looking forward now to fighting a full 140-pound fighter? Because it, I know that you've been scheduled to fight him, but one thing or another is maybe means that you've had to fight guys and then maybe stepping up in weight here. This is the first time properly that you get an opportunity to fight a guy at 140 pounds. No, you know, we towards the end of the amateur career, we were fighting at light middleweight. You know, I think Robbie's got in his head that he's a massive 140. But when we get in there, there'll be there'll not be much difference between Robbie weight 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 wise uh, and definitely not strength wise as well. So you know, people are making a big thing of, of the size. But come come fight night, you know, when I was fighting at lightweight, I'll be on the night. I'll be about. Now touching level four, level five in that wow. ring, so you know I'm I'm going to be the same the same at like well, Aaron, and uh, you know we'll see. Robbie's like I said, Robbie's giving it the digging about his weight, but there'll not be much difference. And uh, I heard a little bit there before about the Benitez fight, but if that was Robbie in there, he he wouldn't have took that first four or five rounds. So no matter what he thinks, so we'll we'll wait and see on the night, but we're more than confident. Well, on that on that, I mean, I said this to Robbie earlier on. I see this being a tale maybe of of two parts of the fight. And I say this several times, actually, when, when guys are pitted together. I see your opportunities being early, his opportunities being late. Do you see that, or do you see something totally different? No, well, I don't... I mean, if you if you look at his last two fights with, uh, with Joe Hughes and Glenn Foote, you know, especially, you know, even late fight with Joe Hughes, you know, he didn't really put it on. He wasn't nothing special. I thought he, he quite tired. He quite gassed himself, to be fair. Um then foot, you know, he did pull away in, in the back end of the fight, but he was doing a lot of holding, a lot of grabbing, a lot of shoving about. So, you know, I don't think he's the fittest after after the halfway point either. So, it's going to be an interesting fight, but I, I think I think we'll take him out. Have you been, have you been working on the abs? <laughs> I know that you I know that you cracked the joke. I know, as soon as he mentioned, obviously, about going to the body and what have you, you were straight on there saying, "I've got abs like bricks." I don't know if anybody saw that on social media, but you were right on there. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it's just like, like you say, I did it fine. We'll be, we'll be working on the abs, but uh, <laughs> you know, we're watching, we're watching when you fought, uh, when he fought Joe Hughes, he he got a few body shots, and he wasn't liking the body shots either, and, and that's something I'm very good at, and fair play to Robbie Hazel at them as well. So it's a tale, of, you know, the, the two the two styles are going to gel very well, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very hard fight, and I think we're both going to ask, ask ask questions of ourselves on the night, but I think. He'll have to ask himself more questions what I will, and I think we'll get on top of him. And I, I can see me getting on top of him late. So everyone's making a big thing about me early him late. I think it might be the way around. Lewis, um, it's great to have you on the show. I, I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One, did you see the Anthony Yard Sergei Kovalev fight tonight? I seen. I had just put it on. I was being out. I had just put it on. Just Towards before, the end. Just after, yes, just after Yard had that great round. Oh, well, that's what I mean. Well, he went to the body. And, and yeah. it's so often we saw it. I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. We saw it earlier 
Uh, we saw it last week in, in the UFC heavyweight fight. Um, Stipe Miocic trying yes, to win the I belt. Back. That, I seen that yeah, and he went to the body. And it's amazing. And, and it was just there. It was just there. There was no drill defense for it. He went once, he went twice, he went three times. It was still there. He went going. He, he, he kept went going. Four or five times in a row, didn't he? Yeah, I think he went 10. I think it was 10 in the end. And in the end, yeah. it was a facile finish because he was able just to throw four or five punches and he'd broken the body. Um, I. Wanted to ask you. I mean, I'm not critical of you in a, in a strong way because I, I think so much of you as a young and up and coming boxer. And we've spoken about this man to man, face to face before. But um, they say a loss is a learn. Sometimes, what did you really learn from from Francesco Patera? It, it, you know, it was your worst night professionally in the ring so far. It's your only defeat. What have you? You know, it's going to be. It's almost a year in October. It'll be a yeah. year by the time you fight these, you know, these fight, this fight goes ahead with, with Robbie Davis. What will you have learnt in that year that you really want to take forward from it? I've learned I've knock-off. I mean, I know my camp is not with me. My dad's still a part of the team, but I don't actually train with my dad anymore. I train hardly pool full-time, uh, Monday to Saturday. So that was a big factor. I decided to move out of the train away from Forest Store. Um, what's changed uh, but, it with not being with dad then? Is it was it too close? Was it what, what's yeah, changed? You know, me, me and my dad are like best are like best friends. Yeah, so yeah. I was coming to the gym and sort of telling him what I was doing, mm. not the other way around. And mm. uh, you know, at first it was working, knocking kids out left, right, and centre. But yeah. once you take that next level up, it's and to be fair, golf. If, if I had a list of ten things for that Patera fight, I could probably do one thing right out of ten. And it was still a split decision. It's still a very close fight. So, you know, I've probably done more running in this camp for Robbie Davis than what I've done for the whole of the Sarah camp. <laughs> wow. And I've only been training a week and a half. Wow. And that's yeah. Just, you know, so it's strengthened. It's redoubled. It's 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 got more ambition into you that that defeat or that loss. As I say, a loss is a learning. You've learned so much from it. Oh, it's been it's been a massive blessing in the skies. I mm. mean. You know, I, that full fight with Patera, I probably didn't hit my one clean shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was just me, sort of, the whole Jordy Golovkin, massive punch, I think, got... got yeah, and, and you... And, well, that's what I was critical of you of. Not not in a not in a critical way, but a kind of uh, a boxing critical way that I, I was saying, I really want Lewis to be, to be um, defensively savvy when he attacks yeah. as well. Do you know so what I mean? Know, I was the, the full camp had been working... You know, we knew Patera had a very good high work rate. Yeah. And we probably wouldn't have been able to match that work rate at the way because it was killing me. So the plan was, as soon as he threw one punch, step back, move to the side, you know, cut his, try and cut his work rate. And then when I watched the back, I didn't do that once. Yeah. Mm. That was just me getting totally... The crowd, there was 9,000 in there. And the harder I was trying to hit him, I, I, the more I was missing. Mm. After five or six rounds... I wish I must have done a bit of damage, but mm. you know, and it, it was just it was it was hard. It was, like I say, it was the first defeat hard, but you know, me and the team sat down, we decided right move away from Forest Hall, move away from the family, which is hard, and and we're now reaping the roads. We've had two good performances, yeah. Hopefully, another third good performance against Robbie Davis. Well, there's no pe- well, there's no bricks going to pee blood this no, time, mate. Eh? That's it. I can hear it in no, your voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. The optimistic comment. We're going to have these like steel. That's it. I can, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice that there's an optimism, there's a hunger Definitely. there about it. Now, listen. Just before we finish this conversation, and I, I know that we're finishing it on a high there because I can see that you're chomping at the bit to obviously get in the ring in October. I have to mention football, mate. We have to. You know what I mean? Because I know, <laughs> I, I, I know you die hard, Jordy. Come on, lad. What's going on up there? Are you staying in the oh, Premier League or what? Uh, sorry to say, lads, I think we're going down, down, down to the championship. That's where we're going. Um, wow. Very far. I've, I've been on a high there, lads, in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to dip it, didn't you? Ed? Listen, they're playing Spurs tomorrow, man. You know All what right, I mean? It's right. a tough one, isn't it? Oh, that's another defeat, you know. <laughs> well, there's optimism <laughs> for you, eh? Listen, you, you, you're carrying the optimism of the whole North East on your shoulders, sunshine. That's what it is, because well, you're, yeah, you're, you're that, the... That was the same as the last fight as well. We go through a sticky patch in here. I think I made the town even worse with this. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no, I think we're, you know. I think it's we're, we're in worrying times with the football. So hopefully October, uh, good performance, good win, and yeah. put the city on a buzz just for a, little, for a little while, and then until the next when the next football match is on. <laughs> well, luckily they play Saturday afternoon. You you fight Saturday night, so you you, you can send them into Sunday with a smile on the face. There you go, Pat. Yes, right. Hopefully, hopefully Newcastle win the night and win them. Oh, there you the go. Shake, We'll have, we'll have to see about that. Top, man. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to hear you in good spirits. Nice one. Speak to you soon. Lewis, take care, mate. Oh, spot on, lads. Thank you very much. Top, Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, Lewis Ritson, he's top of the bill. October, Newcastle. If you ain't got your tickets yet, you're going to want to see it. That versus uh, Robbie Davis Jr. And on the undercard, you've got uh, Scott Fitzgerald and Ted Cheeseman. It's going to be an epic night. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are absolutely flying through the show tonight. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Uh, now, I think it's only fair that you hear from uh, Luke Campbell. He is taking on a monumental challenge next weekend. I know that he's an Olympic gold medalist. And against any other uh, lightweight, you'd say 
he's right in the mix, but he is taking on a freak of nature. It's a unification. It's his four three of the uh, four belts that are available uh, in this uh, division. And he's taking on Vassil Lomachenko. Earlier on this week, I went down to Wandsworth, next door to his gym, for a bit of breakfast and a bit of a chinwagon. This is what he had to say. Just seen you doing the round tables with all the national press. You seem in good spirits. You've got a big smile on your face. Obviously, exciting times. We're a week out from the fight, mate. Yeah, no, it's like I say, it's exciting times. And, um, you know, I'm smiling because I've prepared right sitting here and, you know, I'm confident in myself and, you know, this is what it's all about. Does the smile come from as well, the kind of change in your camp? For a lot of listeners that are listening to this, you spent a lot of time in America during your camps, haven't you, away from the kids, away from the yeah. missus and what have you. Does it help being back in the UK so you get to see them on a more regular basis during the hard graft? Oh, most definitely. It's, um, you know, it's, life's, life's good. I can I get to see them every week. And, you know, when you've been away in, you know, overseas for for eight weeks at a time and you're on different time zones and stuff like that, it's, it's literally the worst thing ever it's horrible you know especially when you're on your own and you're dieting and you're training hard and you've got tough sparring and stuff like that and you know you just miss your family even more um it just adds to it really but um no it's they said i'm in london i'm a three hour drive away three and a half hour drive away and you know it's great I see him every week from from a psychological point of view like you say you're aware for 10 12 weeks in america it's boxing 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 here with this you might do four or five days get back home and then the kids have got their own problems with schools and various things like that just to go and watch a film or something just to switch off even if it's just for a couple of hours that's massively important isn't it yeah no that's what it is go home switch off and you know sometimes you when when you are going through the tough times in in training and stuff like that and it's like they just give you the extra motivation when going home and it's like yeah i'm doing this not just for me as well but for my family too what's um What's the uh, family's take on this? I heard you again speaking to the, to the press earlier on that uh, one of the lads is interested, uh, the small one's not that bothered. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's, um, yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't like loud noises anyhow, it hurts his ears, so he's, um, you know, he's, he's going to sit this one out and the older one will, will go and watch. You're just dad to him. You're just dad. Yeah. <laughs> what's exactly. the um, what's the what's the taking hull as you're walking around? Obviously, you got the, you still got the gold letter box up there and what have you, mate. But as you're walking yeah, around the shops and what have you, yeah. uh, what what's the what's the general consensus on the street? Are you getting quite a lot of love? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to be fair, hull always shows me love. Uh, you know, and it, that's fantastic. And it's you know I'm doing something right, so that's good. You are doing something right indeed. Um, regarding. The Linares fight. What learns do you take from that fight coming into your next attempt at a world title? Um, I guess it's just believing my own ability a little bit more. I guess that's the only thing I could take from that fight. Um, you know, that it was a it's a close fight as well. I mean, I thought I nicked it, but listen, I'm that's always going to leave a little bit of a sting with me because I thought I, I thought I, I did it. Thought the underdog won the fight. Thought I won seven rounds comfortable really but listen it is what it is and um, yeah I, I guess just take that from it Regarding him regarding Vasil Lomachenko a lot of people again as you've been saying throughout the course of this morning a lot of people have him at the top of their pound for pound list as you look at him as you watch him he is very different he's not one that you would necessarily say that he's got orthodox tells and what have you so therefore preparation wise how do you prepare for something like that? It just doing what we do you know we're preparing for me to be the best I can be uh, and that's you know we can control that 
uh, and that's what we're doing. Um, regarding sparring, again, one of the you're in one of the best gyms around at this moment, yeah. Sam. There's a, there's another world champion that's uh, preparing for another world title unification. How important is it working alongside the likes of Josh Taylor? Because you seem to both be in the same mentality at this moment in time, taking on top level yeah, fighters. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. You know, he's he's a world champion at the weight above me, so you know he's he's much heavier than me. He's you know he's a big strong guy. He's fast. He's got good footwork, and it's just a great spar. Uh, and that's perfect preparation for what I need. One of the one of the hot topics as well, again, which you've been speaking about this morning, is drug testing in uh, in in sport. And it was interesting to get your take on how Vada, with this being a WBC yeah. fight, have been looking after you, and how the UKAD have been testing you. Yeah. And it's been relentless throughout the whole whole camp. Yeah, it has. I mean, I mean, I'm on two different. Um, governing bodies really that are, that are doing the same thing um, I'm, I'm already on UK anti-doping and now I'm on VADA and it's you know it's fantastic what the WBC are doing there with bringing in their own drug testing um, which is great um, but I'm already on a drug testing thing as well so I, you know I've they're all testing for the same things. Mm. Is that frustrating from your point of view? Do you believe that we should just have one blanket at the end of the day, one rule, everybody knows what the hymn sheet is and we can all sing the same song? Yeah, I mean, I, I do believe that, you know, everybody should, everybody should be on it. Um, you know, just everybody should be on the same thing. Mm. So have one, one, one uh, governing body and just let them test everyone, you know, and um, but I'm on two, so they can both turn up. During your amateur career, I mean, I don't want to belittle anything else that you achieved, but for me, in 2012, London was the place of, of the success, getting that, that gold medal. It's a fun place for you, isn't it, London? And you won that at the XL just down the road from the O2 where yeah, you're fighting yeah. next Saturday. Yeah, no, I've always, I've always done well here. And, um, you know, that was, that was, again, it was another dream come true. And um, it's got me where I am today. How does that experience help you next weekend? Well, it's all, it's just, listen, it's, it's an experience that I've had, I've gone through, um, I've been through it, I've learnt from it, I've come out on the other side stronger and, and whatever else, so, you know, I guess it just adds to it. Does it also put a little bit of a smile on your face that this is a sellout? We haven't had many big arena sellouts recently, yeah, and yeah. this went this we in 30 seconds, everybody yeah. wanted a piece of it. No, it's fantastic, and this is, like I say, for boxing, this is where I want to be. I've always wanted to be in these big, exciting fights, and now I'm in one. How does the fight play out? I think it just plays out. It's going to be a very tough fight, obviously. Um, but I really, I really believe that we're going to get the win. Luke Campbell speaking to me a little earlier on this week ahead of his world title unification against uh, Vasil Lomachenko, which is taking place at the O2 Arena uh, next weekend. Listen, the guy, he sounds confident. He sounds in uh, great spirits. London, I suppose, is his second home after winning a gold medal there. Um, but he is taking on an absolute freak of nature. How do you unlock the puzzle that is Vasil Lomachenko? Well, look, he really is cool hand Luke. There's no question about it. You know, he's got very low resting heart rate. We know how talented he is. He's a very long fighter. That's an advantage for him in this. But the problem is, you know, you can say, what if Vasil Lomachenko, Adam, has a, has a night, a bad night or a night off? Luke could take advantage of that, which he could. But this is a guy from Ukraine who's even won against world-class fighters with a dislocated shoulder during a fight. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem. At every test that that has been sent him, apart from losing 
early in the, but like it, and is, and, uh, you know, he was thrown into world title fights in the very beginning by the promoter Bob Arum. Yeah. Um, now, you know, a dozen or so fights, or 14, whatever, his fights in. He's a three-weight world champion. Um, I keep looking at a video I did with him, Cheeky Sport Dave, um, or Dave Alorca, the other day, and he's, he's really not a big man. Campbell will tower over him. But Just you and that. I both said it. Mm. There are acres of body yeah. for for and it's 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 body shot night tonight, isn't it? This is if this if when this podcast goes out tomorrow morning, we all subscribe to it. Yeah, myself, Ted Cheeseman, yeah. and the millions of others out mm. there. It's going to be called the Body Shot Podcast because you 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 said it, and I was I've been thinking it from the very beginning. Vasil Lomachenko by the middle rounds after they played a bit of chess together. Both Olympians from London 2012, which is brilliant in itself as a selling point. He's going to go to the body. We know he will. And and I think that will be the weakness for Luke Campbell in this fight. Well, we're going to hear from his trainer in a moment or two. Shane McGuigan is obviously the man uh, that has been uh, given the task of trying to decipher the matrix. That's the collective and more common name uh, given to the one and only Mr. Vasil Lomachenko, who Luke is fighting next weekend. Stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Don't call it a comeback. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall, Gareth Davis alongside me. Big fight night next weekend. It's Luke Campbell taking on Vasil Lomachenko. Shemi Wigan is Luke Campbell's trainer. Uh, and this is what he had to say uh, on his fighter's chance against a Ukrainian. Right, Mr McGuigan. How do we solve a problem like Lomachenko? Uh, well, we got, as I said, we got a game plan. Um, you know, with someone like Luke Campbell, he's got the Olympic uh, pedigree as well. He's... They're both Olympic uh, gold medalists. Obviously, Lomachenko is a two-time Olympic gold medalist. But um, yeah, it's just it's just making sure that we can stamp our our attributes on him, and that's our punching power and our, and our footwork and our size. So that's going to be the first hurdle to get over. And then once we get over that, then I think we're going to get him settled and control him a little bit. Um, but he's he is, as you said, he's a puzzle. He's he's someone that just gives you so many different looks, so many different. Um, Speeds and power, and he's he's, um, he's incredibly smart with his with his pressure. But we got we got the perfect preparation with Josh Taylor, um, the guy who's a world champion in the weight division above. So we couldn't have prepared better for this fight than what we have. With with what you just said there, with him giving so many different looks, so many different tells, is it purely a case of just Luke concentrating on what he does best? Because you can't necessarily prepare for when this happens, Lomachenko's going to do this because he does so many different things. So is it a case of just him being the best that he can possibly be? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at uh, Pedraza, you know, when he was doing all that sort of stuff, Pedraza did it back to him. So, you know, if you if you can if you can sort of not play him at his own game, but but. As soon as he does one or two moves, we, we, we look to step off or we look to come in or we look to just, as soon as he pivots, you pivot with him, you know, and it's, it's easier said than done. But, you know, if anyone's got the ability to do that, it's Luke because of the, because of the pedigree that he's got. You know, he's, he is the, the, the best uh, amateur boxer to come out of the UK. So that, and that's like, if you look at Lomachenko's style, it's still very much amateur style. He doesn't sort of load up. It's very quick. It's in and out. It's angles. It's all. It's all based on speed, um, and and that is, you know, if you if you put that style because of his fitness and his strength, Lomachenko, he's able to do it over 12 rounds, and a lot of people slow down as they go on, but because he's just he trains at that intensity, he's able to, to sustain it. But someone that's such a traditional style, like an anti Crollo who just stands there and and sort of wants to lean on you and have it have it out with you in, in straight lines, he he's tailor made for him, but. 
you know, Luke, Luke's, he knows that Luke's a lot, uh, a completely different task, and uh, I know that he's uh, he's gone back. To, it's funny how he's gone back to uh, Ukraine to prepare. That's where he prepared for his Olympics because I think he knows this is going to be, it's going to be like, you know, it's, uh, preparing for the amateur fights because it's going to be, be like highly, highly skilled, lot, lot of footwork, lot of speed. Um, but what he doesn't realise is Luke's punching extremely hard. So. That would be that would be his one thing that's going to shock him on the night. You mentioned Luke's power a couple of times uh, throughout the course of this morning. When he came to you, as you said, yeah. Olympic gold medalist, elite amateur. You've been working with him for a short period of time now. Is that one of the things that you've been concentrating on, accessing that power, or, or has there been other little things that you saw in his game that you could you could really utilise? No, he always had a lot of power, and, and but one of the things that I, I've been trying to you know drill into him is that you've got to believe in your power. And when you when you when you sit on that shot a tiny bit longer, when you hit guys, you've got to have the intent. You're also changing the gloves, make sure you get the right punches gloves because before he was using a bit of a different glove. Yeah. Um, and you know, just making sure that you know he believes in that in that power and he knows that he can knock anybody out in 135 pounds. There's no doubt about it. If he hits any 135 pounder on the chin with the world time shot, they're going out. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I have been working on that. I've been working on getting his, his his weight up a little bit. He used to walk around too light, making sure he sort of he's probably heavier now, even though it's closer to fight, uh, closer to well, like a week out from the fight that he was whenever he first came to me. So you know, he he used to always walk around only a few pounds over his over his uh, over his weight. So like you know, that's one thing. Working on his size, working on his sort of. Um, you know, bringing his, his his strength and his power up because he's always had power, but he has had strength behind it. If yeah. you see what I'm saying, so he didn't know how to sort of to use that. So making sure that he's just a bigger object. So when you're standing on the inside, he's never going to be on the inside. You know, looking for shots in there. He's he's always going to be just doing his utmost to sort of break in, break out, and change change the distance because he's most effective at range. Um, but you know, making sure that when he is in there, he's just a bigger stature. Um, just regarding the psychological aspect of preparing for something like this, I spoke to Luke a little earlier on. He spent a lot of time training in America away from his family, spent a long time away from it. How, how much of a difference have you seen in him just as a guy that he's allowed to go home, see his kids, just switch off, you know, even if he's just watching a movie for a couple of hours with his kids? How much of a difference does that make to the pre- preparation for a big fight like this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, at the end of the day, you don't need... It's not... Like my dad used to go away for eight-week training camps and not see anybody. It was just their way of doing it and a, a few people in boxing are quite old school like that but then I had George Groves that stayed in his house the whole way through all of his fights it's just something you know it's a different it's a different way and I think Luke has got that that happy blend where it's like he's away from the family because um, his kids are a little bit older than say George like George's were um, so yeah they're quite they're quite full-on so when he goes home at the weekend it's about making sure that I'm on the phone to him managing that take a rest don't do this don't do that don't be don't be going to every single football game you know, to, to go and support. You know, you got you got to prepare like uh, like you're in a training camp. But at the same time, get that love and affection from them and give them something to train for. And that's what he's got. Um, you mentioned that it's the final spa today. Yeah. With Josh Taylor, are you selling tickets for it? <laughs> yeah, I, might. I, I probably should. I'll pay for that bloody gym rent. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's a last bar, and they it will be a little bit more of a technical spa today anyway. But but the two of them have done a load around, so it has been the best bar I've had in my gym, and I've had some some good, yeah. good quality spa. And I've had up until then, it was probably Groves versus Boatsy was the best bar, but but this this trumps it, I think. How important is it? 
when you have two lads going the elite level, top level, big world title unifications, that they are working together in order to just egg each other on and, and just get those extra percentages out of each other during the camp. Yeah, it, it, it makes them... It, it brings them back to just the sort of amateur days where they're like, OK, they're just preparing for a big major tournament. You know, like Because you can get wrapped up in it. You can feel like you're a superstar and, and sometimes that's a detriment to you. You know, you, you just need to feel like you're... you're if back in back in the old days, you just prepare with your mate. Yeah, you're doing huge things in boxing, but it's just like the old days. You know, you just got to go and you got to go through the process. And the two of them can bounce off each other and, and lean on each other when they're when they're having good days and bad days. And that's what that's what they have done. If one's if one's had a good day in sparring, the other one's like, oh well, you know, you were better last time. And yeah, but they're they're all they're they're all on the same team which is which is a nice feeling and when they're in the circuits they're all pushing each other and that's what I like to do I like to build a bit of a community in the gym so they feel like they're teammates rather than just feel like they're associates and um, that's definitely giving them an edge to, to prepare side by side and plus it's just you you couldn't bring that sparring in you know like someone like Progre for instance yeah. he sits back he's a he's a pot shotter he's got he's got power and that's very much like like Luke Campbell and and obviously um, Taylor's a, is, is a southpaw pressure fight. You don't you don't find many of them, and that's not what, for cheap anyway. Yeah, not for cheap, <laughs> and that's and that's what Lomachenko is, you know. Just on Josh Taylor, we'll come back to Luke in a minute, but just on him preparing for the World Boxing Super Series final and that big world title unification. Do these guys actually really want to fight him? Because it seems to be a rhetoric throughout the course of this where Brancic didn't fancy it. He was trying to get out the tournament. We've now just had a situation progress. How's that affecting him? Because is it on? Is it off? We now believe that it's led to be back on. Well, it, it's just, it, it's a backhanded compliment at the end of the day. You know, people don't want to, I think a lot of the time, I think the thing is, is that they, they know it, it makes more sense ticket-wise and business-wise to be, to be over here. So the tournament want to bring it here. Mm. And the two of them don't feel like they're going to get a fair shake if they were in the UK. So that's their, their sort of excuse. And I don't believe that they're scared of Josh um, fully, but they know that he is a, a, an extremely hard fight. And the way that the tournament is done, it's done on a bonus system. So you get a set fee and you almost get it doubled if you, if you win. So if they really don't believe that they're going to win, they're thinking, mm, I could probably get more than that set fee just to box somebody like Adrian Broner. So that's obviously why he was humming and hiring about getting out of it. Um, and you know the one thing that, they, that Baron Jake and Progress both have in common is they both work with Lou, Lou DeBello and DeBello Entertainment, and he is the the crux of it all because he's creating the obstacles, as you should do for your you know you should look after your fire. But he's creating the obstacles for the tournament. Um, but you know we, we you know we're in the same position, but we're not threatening to pull out. Mm. So. What's the latest with it? Is it on? Is it definitely happening? It's looking like it's on. Yeah, yeah end of October. So that's that's mm. it's nice to know. And it means that, you know, he can really focus and knuckle down now. There you go. Shane McGuigan speaking to me a little bit earlier on this week. I'll tell you something, he's got a, a busy couple of months, hasn't he? An absolute barnstormer uh, next weekend. A world title unification with uh, Luke Campbell and Vasil Lomachenko. And then another world title unification, which is sounding very, very positive now for those that have fallen in this World Boxing Super Series narrative with Regis Progress and Josh Taylor. It was off because Progress was pulling out the tournament. Now we're led to believe that he's back in the tournament and they're settling, as Shane was just telling us there, on a date in October. 
It's all about money, of course, and people course being is. paid. No, why shouldn't they be paid as well? The World Boxing Super Series, um, you know, and it's, it's agent Camosa um, or it's backers Camosa. Um, you know, something's not right in the background. Thankfully, it looks like it's been put right. It's an amazing contest between Josh Taylor, who you and I were chatting off air um, about really, you can make an argument that Josh Taylor is the pound for pound British, best British boxer out there. But just one thing finally, Ed, before we go to the break, that... Um, it's great having Lomachenko, Vasil Lomachenko, fighting at the O2 Arena next Saturday night. Don't miss it on TV. I think it's on Sky, but we're going to be there as well all week. The show's going to be all about it next week. Um, what's great is having a guy who's number one pound for pound in the world here for British sports fans. You know, we've had lots of brilliant fighters in the past come here. George Foreman, Muhammad Ali, uh, Marvin Hagler... Um, it ranks with all these names. He ranks with all these fighters. Errol Spencer's fought here. Of recent times, his friend Alexander Usyk has fought here. Usyk's fought here. Terence Crawford's fought here. We're very privileged and very lucky to get these pound-for-pound pound fighters here fighting. You know, I, I remember when Ricky Hatton fought Costa Zou. That felt like a great privilege at the time. And, of course, Ricky pulled it off. But that's the kind of thing that... that, that um, I nearly said Josh Taylor. Luke Campbell, I'm sure Josh Taylor would love to fight Vasil Lomachenko. He's about a foot and a half taller than him for a start. But that's the kind of performance Luke's got to pull off. Our lad from Hull has got to pull off against this brilliant Ukrainian next Saturday night at the O2 Arena. The kind of um, the bustling performance, the aggression, um, everything going right from on the night that Ricky Hatton did against Kostya all those years ago. Should be a sensational night. Uh, and as Gareth pointed out, next week's programme will be dedicated to the event because we're going to be spending a lot of time at Media Week this week interviewing the likes of Vasil Lomachenko, Luke Campbell uh, and everybody connected to that and the undercards to make sure you come and join us uh, for it but this show's not over with yet oh no we've got another hour yet um, lots to talk about including a certain Mr Conor McGregor so don't be going anywhere you listen to Fight Night here on TalkSport uh, we're into the final hour of the show make sure you stick with us all the way through it if you've only just joined the programme you've missed a host of guests a host of guests of which are available on the podcast please hit the subscribe button on iTunes or via the TalkSport website it'll be up and available for you at some point tomorrow uh, now, I think it's only fair that we get stuck into uh, some of the any other business that is going on in the world of boxing. And you will have seen this week uh, that a certain Mr Triple G has decided to team up with the likes of Eddie Hearn and his uh, matchroom uh, boxing uh, in order to uh, to take care, let's say, of promotional matters for his next three fights. Now, we know what one of those fights is going to be. He's taking on Derevianchenko for the IBF, the vacant IBF middleweight championship of the world. Now, if you remember... Uh, Triple G was the former IBF champion and as he was preparing for his fight with Canelo the IBF ended up stripping him because he refused to fight Derevianchenko because he wanted the fight with Canelo I know this all gets a, lot, a little confusing this is boxing, it's supposed to be confusing it's full of politics, which politics. that's the one uh, however, now that the IBF have stripped Canelo yeah, yeah, I know. They stripped Canelo. They've now they've decided that the vacant title will go uh, and fought be, be, between the manager challenger, which was Derry Vincenco, and Triple G. It's a great fight, but what I'm more interested in is the relationship now between Triple G and Eddie Hearn, because Eddie Hearn, in this middleweight division, he has got some serious talent. He's got the WBO champion uh, in his stable, in Boo Boo Andrade, Demetrius Andrade. Yep. He's also got the former WBO middleweight champion and the current super middleweight WBO champion in Billy Joe Saunders. Now, the reason why Billy Joe Saunders has obviously gone to Eddie is to try 
his very best at setting up these absolute monster fights. Now, I know that Eddie doesn't have Canelo under his wing, but Canelo is fighting on DAZN, which is the American streaming service. Eddie has a deal with DAZN in America. There's the potential for some absolute crackers in this division over the next 12 months. Is there any reason that these fights now cannot happen for the likes of a Billy Joe Saunders, for the likes of uh, Abubu Andrade to get those big unifications. Do you think we're going to see him over the next 12 months? Yeah, I do. I think I do think we'll see Saul Canelo Alvarez and the winner tonight in, in Chelyabinsk, uh, Russia. Just on that, how um, crazy is that? That a light heavyweight championship fight th- uh, determines what the middleweight champion of the world does next. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, I mean, but but he is he he has carried certainly as as you know um at super middleweight uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez is also in with the WBA as as well as at, at middleweight and with the WBC. So um you know, he's going up the weights and and to light heavy yeah, I think it's, it's fine. I think I think, I think it's a really good matchup. Um, I've already was tweeting out on social media. People were reacting, saying, "No, no, he's going to get crushed by the crusher." I think Canelo wins that fight. I think there's there's a physicality about him, and there's a vigor about him. Body shots it, again. Body shots, but it will be. But it will be. Yes, he will have watched those body shots in the eighth round and gone, "Oh, thank you very much, Anthony Yard," rubbing his hands together. Um, I, but I do think it'll be the battle of the jabs early on as well. Um, it's a great fight. You know, I mean, Kovalev's not the tallest man in the world. He's only 6'1". Um, you know, Canelo's 5'11". I, I think it's a terrific fight. And, the, you know, as I say, the, the thing is about Canelo, he is so physically powerful. Um, he has got a tremendous work rate. It'll be great to see whether he can be tested, um, you know, at up at 175 pounds and, and the more I think about it I go back, all the way back now to Floyd Mayweather who was 36 when he fought Canelo Alvarez you know who was still I think he had 50 fights then when he fought him yeah. you know because he turned pro at 15 and a half it was still a brilliant performance by Floyd Mayweather it still ranks me as one of his great performances that Canelo was just coming and trying to take his head off like a bull for 12 rounds um, he, he, in answer to your question it, it, it's it's Dazon and Eddie Hearn and Oscar De La Hoya mm. will work together. There's huge money invested. When you think about how much money Dazon have invested in Eddie Hearn, in Gennady Golovkin, and in Saul Canelo Alvarez, you're talking about probably, I'm trying to think about this, five years, 11 fights for Canelo, 365 million. Yeah. Eddie Hearn, eight years, a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, You're looking at about $1.5 billion. Yeah, is what I mean, and, and if these, well, certainly, if, then if you take that, if you take, you know, bring that back two years as it'll take to play this out, that's a $200, $250 million investment in getting those fights made. They have to be made, mm. Adam, and they will. I do think we'll get... So with that, with that then, because we, we, me and you are pretty confident that Canelo and Kovalev are going to fight at light heavyweight. Round about November, okay. the, the, Vegas November, I'd say. So that say. takes Canelo just out of the equation for a moment, okay? We know that Triple G is going to fight Derevyanchenko for the IBF crown. We know that that's going to happen. Which then leaves Demetrius Andrade, the WBO champion, without Billy Joe a fight. Saunders. Billy Joe Saunders. It, I think Billy Joe... It has have, to happen, that, yes, doesn't it? I, I mean, I've always thought that. I think... Um, 
Billy Joe Saunders will probably get a warm-up fight under the matchroom banner, under the DAZN banner, and then I think he'll fight Boo Boo Andrade, who I sat next to, by the way, at, uh, at the, the Dillian White Oscar Rivas night. He was fantastic company. Um, we had Colin Hart, myself, and Boo Boo Andrade. You, you were in Ibiza sunning yourself. And, um, you know, he's a terrific guy. He, he's very, very fast. He's got a fast mind as well. I hadn't met him before, but we spent the evening sitting together. Um, and that's a fight I would love to see. Very unorthodox, as you know. Mm. Makes weird angles when he boxes, throws punches from weird angles. And we talked about Billy Joe Saunders that night. And he was, like, totally up for the fight being made. And it was almost... I mean, it's only, what is it, three weeks ago. It was almost like he knew Billy Joe was on the way anyway. Mm. Um, and I got the sense that those two are going to fight. And it wouldn't surprise me if Billy Joe's, what, out in September? And then maybe that fight's early next year? But Because they need to get a move on with them as well. Yeah. Um, winner of that then probably faces, I think, Golovkin. Yes. Um, and then if Golovkin, he comes through against Darian Yeah, Jacob, exactly. And the thing is with Golovkin and Canelo, when you mentioned the belts just now, who holds what belt? I, th I think with Canelo and Golovkin, it doesn't matter if either of them don't hold a, hold a belt at the moment because it's the championship of each other they're fighting for now. It's like the Arlie Frazier trilogy. Yeah, yeah. They're fighting for the championship of each other, you know? And we know that we know it's one apiece. I mean, you could even say it's one, one, one and one drawn to yeah. Golovkin. If you feel that way inclined, when weirdly it's 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 one draw and one for the other, one one for Canelo, which is wrong. Um, we know it's wrong. It, I think it's one apiece, mm. you know, in in reality. So it's one rubber each, the championship of each other. No belts. Let's not care about the belts. It still makes a huge amount of money. And then maybe Golovkin fights. Uh, we just send them all over to Russia. Golovkin and Usyk and, and Kovalev and just let them all fight each other in one night. I, I really hope that Billy Joe Saunders gets an opportunity for these big fights now. I mean, he's moved over to Matchroom Sports. You would think with all those fighters being under that banner, we've got to be close. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders, when he beat Andy Lee to become the WBO middleweight champion years ago, I said, this guy could be the guy to, to be challenging the likes of a Golovkin and, and a Canelo and give him a real good go. I, you know, I, I really reckon he could push both of them a, a long way in a fight. But we've just had two, three years of, apart from the David Lemieux fight, we've just had two or three years with Billy Joe going, is he all that? I still believe he is all that. I just hope he gets the opportunity to to showcase that talent. Well, he's vastly talented. He needs to stay busy. Um, and and that's the key with him. And, you know, he's not got a style that, that, that fighters often want to meet. I think, I think he fares very well against... Um, Callum Smith, I think it's a tough fight because of uh, Callum Smith's size. I mean, maybe it's quite a boring fight, that, because I think it's going to be a fencing match in many ways. I think it's a very close fight. I think maybe Callum Smith shades it because um, he's so much taller. I mean, frankly, he is a light heavyweight fr um, squeezed into a super middleweight's frame, isn't he? Um, I think um, I'd like to see him fight Chris Eubank Jr. again. Mm. I still think that's exciting. Um, but all five of those fights, Eubank, Callum Smith, um, Bubu Andrade, Golovkin and, and, and Canelo Alvarez, they're all great fights for, for Billy Joe Saunders. And if he doesn't fight at least three of those five in the next two years, you'd be disappointed. Yeah, extremely. It's yeah. an exciting division. And when you start to see 
these fighters all be aligned with the same promoter, the same broadcaster, you start to get excited as we know how, well, there's how nothing many in times... The way. Yeah, we, so we know how many things can get we, in the we, way. We know that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, or we're almost certain that those two will fight in 2020, you know, in the first third of the year, um, because there's so much money to be made. Um, we know that Kennedy Golovkin and, and Saul Canelo Alvarez, under the same banner now, with so much money to be made, will fight. So... It all comes down to the algorithm of how much money can be made out of it. How quickly can the business be done? Can the broadcasters share the rights and have the promoters' egos? Um, it's been smooth enough that they'll agree to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, we are going to talk uh, over the next ten fifteen minutes about a certain uh, Irishman uh, who participates in mixed martial arts. Well, I say participates in mixed martial arts. I haven't seen him do that really for the last three years. I know who, he's had one fight. Who the bleep is that? Who, who, who is that guy? Let me tell who you. Who is that f- man? He, he's, uh, he's had more arrests than wins in the last three years. We're talking <laughs> Conor McGregor. Don't go anywhere. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us older, better, faster, stronger. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. We don't just do boxing on here. We do uh, delve into the world of mixed martial arts. There's been a lot going on in mixed martial arts, actually, with former rugby players now participating in uh, Bellator. We'll talk about James Haskell in a moment or two. Uh, but I suppose the biggest star to come out of Europe, and that's no disrespect to anybody else like Michael Bispin or, or what have you, uh, but Conor McGregor uh, has been making headlines once again over the last couple of weeks uh, because of a video uh, that has finally come out over an altercation in an Irish pub that took place four or five months ago. Uh, he's been on ESPN in the United States of America uh, apologising and addressing everything that we have seen on social media. And this is what Connor had to say to ESPN in an interview with Ariel Helwani. In reality, it doesn't matter what happened there. I was in the wrong. That man, that man deserved to enjoy his time in the pub without having, having it to end the way it did. And, and although five months ago it was, and I tried to make amends, and I made amends back then, it's still, the fans don't even, that does not even matter. I, I was in the wrong. But I have to realise that, I, that that's not the, that's not, that's not the attitude or the behaviour of a leader, of a martial artist, of a champion. So, I must get my head screwed on and just get back in the game and fight for redemption, retribution, respect, the things that made me the man I am, and that's what I will do. Are you retired, A, and B, if not, why did you tweet that out? You know, there's a lot, you don't understand the amount of things that go on behind the scenes, Ariel. Sometimes I just need a distance. I'm like, hold on, I've rushed. I've, I've, I, you don't, you must understand my foot was a balloon when I walked into that fight. I've got all this footage backed up from that entire camp. And then when so many things are going on backstage and between my inner team and, and then the outer team and then the business side of it, sometimes you just need to take a back step and, you know, but retirement, I don't think I will ever retire from this game, Ariel. Never in my life. I'll be fighting until the day I go out. Who does Conor McGregor want? in his highly anticipated return fight? In the return fight. You know, I want my world title back. I want that redemption. The camp was incorrect. I learned so much on that. And look, knowing knowing the commitment I had in that camp and knowing the performance I put on. But I'm not going to wait around. I'm not, whoever. If you're asking me who, whoever. True or false, you will fight again this year? It's hard to put it. I, I, I would say true. I would say we can get that done. Colin McGregor speaking to uh, Ariel Helwani on ESPN a little earlier on this week, obviously addressing, first of all, uh, that altercation in the Irish pub, um, which caused a bit of outrage on social media. Uh, and then, of course, speaking about his future plans in this sport. Now, I don't know where you're at with this, Gareth, because I know that you've obviously spent a bit of time in uh, in Connor's company. You've interviewed him on several occasions. I've only met the guy once, and this is a long, long time ago. I'm a huge fan 
of him and what he did up until the point of three years ago. He beats Eddie Alvarez, absolutely sensational. He's the champ champ, the first UFC simultaneous two-weight world champion. Everything about him I loved. Absolutely everything. Work ethic, everything he was doing in the ring, superb. Then, of course, we have a situation where he decides, and he most certainly earned the opportunity to do it because he became a massive pay-per-view star, to cross over into the world of boxing and fight Floyd Mayweather and make himself an awful amount of money. That point is the turning point in all of this. Because as Marvin Hagler once said, it is very hard to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go for your runs when you're getting out of bed wearing silk pyjamas. Oh, I know. And I think there is an element (laughs) of this with Conor McGregor. Does he really still want it? Does he really still want to be a mixed martial artist? Because it must be very, very difficult once you've been paid 80 to 100 million dollars for a bout and then you've got to come back to the UFC, put in the hard yards, have a, a proper fight with somebody for a lot less money. Yeah, it's not normal to to get punched in the face, kneed in the face, um, elbowed in the face, kicked in the face for a living. So, you know, when the hunger leaves you because you, you, you enjoy the wealth and the riches from your fame and the luxuries he now has, it clearly changes something. But... And he's always been a great talker. He's always been great at explaining himself. But there's a few things in this interview. I've not heard him speak so lucidly. As you say, the moment he became a double champion after he'd beaten Jose Aldo and then he defeated Eddie Alvarez uh, in uh, in the first New York event for the UFC... Um, and broke, made history. In that moment, he crossed over to, if you recall, at the beginning, Dana White, and I, and I, (laughs) it sounds funny now, going back, and it's a few years ago now, I planted it in Connor's yeah. mind in an and interview. You did years an interview ago. for BT. And I didn't said, you? "There's a billion dollars in yeah. this fight." And he went, "I'm all about the money, Garrett." You know, as he said at the time. And um, do you in, honestly in it, believe at that point he was all about the money? Because I don't no, think he was. I don't know, but I think you know. I remember saying to to John Cavan, he said, "If if that fight's there." We'll do it. I remember speaking to his agent and he was like, I'm not so sure to begin with. But Dana White didn't want that fight to begin with. What that fight did, and as you rightly point out, what that fight did, it took away the power from the promoter yes. to the fighter. Yes. And, that, and it broke history. Absolutely. And, it, and, and the, the promoter has always been the emperor. The, you know, right back to the Romans, I've mentioned this all, like right back to the Romans, that the aristocrats in the Senate had gladiators stabled in their villas. Correct. Um, their children grew up, you know, the gladiators' children grew up with the no- noblemen's and noblewomen's children. In the end, nobles were gladiators. Women were gladiators in the end, we- female nobles. In fact, Theodoric in uh, in, fi- in 500 um, after Christ. Here we go. We'll get, we'll get a bit of history lessons. Here we go. Is, is, is this, where's the music? I'm not having the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't done the music for a while. No, the, the, the ba- nobles were banned in the end by the Emperor Theodoric from being gladiators because it, it had become a profession that people I, love. I love, because, I love how you've gone from Conor McGregor now yeah, to sorry, back to well, 500 but, BC. But the point being, yes. point being that the, prom- <laughs> the promoter has always been the emperor the promoter puts his thumbs down his thumbs up he asks the crowd for for is it death or is it life but at that moment he became bigger than the ufc he became bigger than the ufc the ufc when they set out dana white has not got you know whatever it is 10 million or 20 million social media followers the president of the ufc by mistake they deliberately went out to create that they set up the model based on people like don king who was always as big as his fighters if not bigger as a character as a speaker as an orator and and I think 
you know, they, they saw that model working that if your promoter is, is, is bigger than the fighters, he always has the sway when he says things. It doesn't matter if half the people disagree, if 50% agree, 100, you know, 10 million agree with that $100 million fight that's just being made. The, the mould was broken. Connor almost had too much power. Nothing wrong with that because it's the fighters should have a union, in my view. They put life and, and their blood on the line for us, for, for entertainment, as in sport, in inverted commas. You know, and it is the toughest sport on earth, fight sports. There's no question about it. You know, for all the other shows on Talk Sport that are about cricket, and they are tough, and there are moments where people have to show great mental fortitude and football and rugby and all these things. It's not the same as fighting. It's different. It, it, it's not normal normal to do it people are suspending their own um their brain is having to be twisted to to move away from thinking of their own safety because they are putting themselves on the line as ted cheeseman told us earlier Mm. tonight i used a fight to numb the pain of being a gambling addict i let the guy do you remember the fight he put his hands down let the guy hit him for the last four rounds so what to go back to conor mcgregor um what was great about this this interview with with ESPN and with Ariel Hawani, and obviously ESPN are the the major broadcasters of the UFC in, in America. Three words: he said, "I want redemption, I want retribution, and I want respect." Mm-hmm. Now, redemption is for the things he's done wrong. You know, he's got a lawsuit against him out there. He's got all kinds of things against him. You know, from other fighters for what he did with the with a metal dolly in 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 New York, throwing it through the bus, accusations of other things in Ireland um, you know all manner of things basically the, the, you know the, the he wants retribution for his defeat to um, Habib to Khabib Nurmagomedov you know he wants a trilogy of course with Nate Diaz and he wants to regain the respect of other people and here it is clearly in one quote we didn't hear there if I can just find it he said I don't um, want to go down the route of being another one of those fighters, the cliche of another one of those fighters who ends up with a great fall after success. He's recognising he's had the fall. And for his story to be complete, in my view, he needs that climb again. Mm. He need, th- This is the beginning of him saying sorry. I thought it was fascinating, frankly. It was fascinating, but how much damage has he, has he given his own personal brand? Oh, his brand? Oh, terrible. You know, where are the fans at with him at this moment in time? I think he's got a he's got a lot of catching up to do. But as I said, rather than saying those three words, uh, proper twelve whiskey, mm. and instead saying redemption, retribution, respect, he's giving himself the opportunity to climb back after the fall. Um, I think they've got to be very careful about who they match him with. I, I could understand him saying as he did. When Frankie Edgar called out Conor McGregor, he, he rang Dana White and said, yeah, I fancy that fight with Frankie Edward, Edgar. That fight makes sense. Edgar's fairly washed up as a champion now. He's smaller. He, he's, he's kind of a, uh, he's a Jose Aldo type size, perfect for Conor, um, and probably towards the end of his career. Max Holloway is beaten already. I don't think that's a great fight for him. But... A, a trilogy fight with Nate Diaz, the style, especially as Diaz is is hot stuff right now after a brilliant victory last weekend. After 36 months away, last last August, mm. um, sorry, August 2016 was when he last fought against Conor McGregor. 36 months away, not a cobweb 
not a cobweb. And I think that's the perfect fight. The two subverts. Who's the biggest gangster of all? You know, those two. I know we've got Jorge Masvidal floating around there in the wings as well. Um, you know, and he's been brilliant recently. But Nate Diaz against Conor McGregor is almost a bigger fight than Khabib Nurmagomedov. Nurmagomedov. Without all that, you know, are we going to get religious kind of undertones again of, you know, insulting religions yep. and people's wives. And I, I thought that was distasteful. But I think Nate Diaz against Conor McGregor is the perfect fight for him to come back to. I don't know if you agree with that. Uh, to come back to, probably not. I would go with the first one that you said there with Frankie Edgar. Get a victory. He hasn't had one for three years. Get a victory. And then all of a sudden you have got an unbelievable fight with him and Nate Diaz. Absolutely, I agree. Because the rest of the division is full of killers. You've got Habib, you've got Tony Ferguson, you've got all these other guys. Can he regain that 155-pound strap? I don't know. Uh, we're going to continue talking a little bit about mixed martial arts because James Haskell, rugby player, is now a mixed martial artist. He's going to have a go in the heavyweight division at Bellator. Well, we'll talk about it in a moment or two here on Fight Night. This is TalkSport. This is the Fight Night on TalkSport. Don't forget to download the podcast, subscribe to it. You'll get our stuff every single week. We talk fight sports every single Saturday night between 9 and 12 on the radio. But if you can't make it for the whole three hours, it's available for you to download. All right? Fight Night on iTunes, TalkSport.com. They're your locations. Uh, now, um, sticking with the theme of mixed martial arts... And kind of rugby. I don't think we've done rugby at all on this show ever or mentioned it. We mentioned football a couple of times. We've delved into cricket. Um, but now we're going into the world uh, of rugby because uh, former England international James Haskell, who retired uh, from rugby last year, I thought he was delving into the world of DJing because I saw him in Ibiza last week. Oh, he's delving into everything, James, always. You know, but he can, for, for a 19 stone man, they he's can a big do boy. the flagpole. Yeah. Have you seen him do the flagpole? Yes. Oh. And, and now he is delving into the world of mixed martial arts. I believe he's been training out at the same gym as uh, Michael Venom Page. He's been giving it the big in. Uh, London Shoot Fighters is the gym. And now he is signed to uh, to Bellator and he will be competing in the heavyweight division. Now, obviously, we follow this sport left, right and centre. Now, my take on this is very, very simple. I admire anybody that has the cojones to, <laughs> to make the walk to the ring or to the octagon. And if you want to challenge yourself for personal gain, listen, go for it, 100%. I just hope the guy doesn't get hurt because it's all good and well being a hard man. There's no question about that. Having a little bit of a tumble with a couple of rugby players, having a little bit of a go in the local boozer and all that type of stuff. Sweet, <laughs> sweet as a nut, right? But it's very different when you're a hard man then taking on a professional fighter, a person that has been trained to fight and has been doing it since they were a child. I know, and as do you, that Bellator are very, very savvy when it comes to matchups to these type of signings. We saw Aaron Chalmers, obviously a guy from reality TV, step into this world. They were clever with his early matchups. Of course, they've tried to step him up a little bit. He's fallen short, but he's come good again recently. I think it'll be very similar for James. I don't think we're going to be seeing him fighting the heavyweight champion of the world anytime soon or anybody in the top 15, but somebody of equal standing, someone of uh, equal maybe uh, novice standing, might be his first matchup. I won't be surprised if it's a core main event, though, in order to uh, bring new eyes to the sport. And that's the that's the key thing. It brings new eyes to the sport. It brings people that maybe wouldn't necessarily give Bellator or mixed martial arts a go. They know who James Haskell is. If you're a rugby fan, you'll think, he's having a scrap. I'll have a bit of a watch of that. They'll watch it, and who knows? On that card, you might see some really talented mixed martial artists 
and you might fall in love with the sport. Well, I think what I'd say about James, having known him probably about 10 years, maybe even longer, is that he's one of those guys that who's got an ability to stick at things. Um, he's also one of the, you know, th- j- this is the James Hassel, of course, who, who played for um, uh, Wasps, for, I think, is it Wasps, um, Stade Francais, um, Northampton Saints, I think there's only a couple of games, you know, the, the, on tour with the British Lions. Um, Elite I, level rugby player. No, Elite but also level. very formidable um, as a... He, he, he used to... What I remember about James is he used to get himself in the wrong position at the wrong time, and in the end, and the flanker... The flankers are, and the back row forwards are the toughest people in, in rugby. They're the guys who put their heads in. They're, they're your natural mixed martial artists. And I remember him coming out to a, a fight in Las Vegas with Joe Worsley. Do you remember Joe Worsley yeah, yeah. as well? Now, they were both into jiu-jitsu a long time ago, James has been rolling for years, and um, he's always loved MMA. When I used to work with BT Sport um, doing the UFC coverage, James did vignettes for us, and he loved coming in. He's very, very knowledgeable about mixed martial arts. The only thing that concerns me is that he's 34 and he's going to fight at heavyweight. Now, it's such a dangerous division in that if you've got decent boxing skills as a heavyweight in mixed martial arts, you can stop someone with a jab. Mm. These are four-ounce gloves with 260-pound men, remember. Like you say, I think James wants to have a crack at it. I don't think he's going to have a 10-year career as a fighter. He's a very, very hard man. There's no question about it. I mean, these these guys in rugby playing at the level he does, they are the biggest, hardest people in the world apart from heavyweight boxers and, and heavyweight mixed martial artists. So what he's doing is he's stepping into another realm, testing, you know... Rugby is like 15-man MMA, basically, at that level. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, I mean it basically is. After you're not, But you're not hurting another bloke, you're hurting the ball. You know, you're not hurting the ball, you're hurting another guy, but you're, you're after the ball. Um, with James, um, I've got a feeling that if he can get people down, he'll be very effective. I, I, honestly, he's, he, he is a very talented mixed martial artist. It wouldn't surprise me if he has sparred. I hope he gets the full medical checks, which he will. He's not going to fight till next year, I yeah. believe. You know, that Bellator are planning a 10-fight a season. There's a fight on Sky Sports tonight as well from Bridgeport, Connecticut, headlined by Matt Mitrione and Sergei Keritanov. I can't believe that they'll be putting them in with anyone no. like them who are elite-level fighters. So... What I wished was that, that that James was a light heavyweight rather than a heavyweight. But the trouble trouble is he's so big, there's absolutely no way he's getting down to 205 pounds. Mm. You know, he'll be a 245-pound fighter. But I'd love to see him against Jake Hager, for example, mm. over here in London. You know, the WWE yes. star. I mean, that would be a co-main event in, in London. I think that would work. I'd love to. That's the first person I thought I'd want to see him fight. He's only had a couple of fights. For, Jake Hager. Well, from... From a business point Jack of view... Jack Swagger, sorry, yeah. You can, you can totally understand why someone like a Bellator would be signing a former England international rugby player or a former WWE wrestler or a reality star in order to bring those new eyes to the sport because at the end of the day, that brings money to the well, sport. Well, I think rugby course. fans... Yeah, but I think rugby fans naturally gravitate towards it. And I think that they are looking to... Look, the UFC have not occupied the space in the UK that they could have. They haven't... You know, there's, the Bellator are planning to have 10 events in Europe next year, yeah. at least four in... in in England, so they're, they're, they, you know, 
I don't think. I think they could have done a better job well, of from, marketing. From an outsider them. looking in, if you're if you're not a fan of this, right? If you're not a fan of mixed martial arts, as an outsider looking in. Does it make a mockery of it? Now, the, why, what I'm saying is, I can understand from a business point of view as to why they're doing it, but let's say from James's point of view, why not have a couple of amateur fights? Why not have a couple of these and a couple of that? Just to see where you're at. Well, I hope he does this year. I, 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 I think that... I think that... Have we lost the microphone? What's happened there? Has Gareth's microphone gone off? I think that I'm back. I, I think I think he could do with a couple of amateur fights. I try to switch him off every week, boys. I think, Is that what yeah. you're trying to do? It's a, listen, it's a very good idea. It's a it's a very good idea. Um, going straight, at, but you know, Aaron Chalmers didn't, did he? But no. you just got to, like you said, you're literally going to see uh, his professional debut. But they're going to be amateur fights in many ways. Does okay then from a person that is, doesn't follow it like me and you follow it? Can you understand that they look at what Bellator have done? bringing in a reality star, bringing in a WWE star, bringing in an England rugby player, looking at that and going, that's not... That's, does it make a mockery of, of their brand? Does it make a mockery of mixed martial arts? Or, well, can, look, or can you see real value in it? Look, Brock Lesnar came over, didn't he? Um, uh, from, from you know, collegiate wrestling. He was yeah. an NCAA um, collegiate wrestler. Um, he'd had tryouts for the Minnesota Vikings. Extraordinary athlete. Massive star in the WWE. Millions of social media followers. I mean, I covered his entire career in the UFC from the very beginning, and I didn't, I wasn't a WWE fan, but, you know, I had, I had my, my nephews in Canada going, you've spoken to Brock Lesnar? I mean, I mean, you know, like, he is seen as a massive star, and yeah. I, think, I think what James will do, James Haskell will do in the UK, is bring the curiosity of a lot of people. Yeah. I think he's a big name in British sports. You know, I mean, I was watching him on an interview on Joe I.E. talking about a teammate he had. He's, he's very quirky. He was, he was talking about a teammate he had for five years who was called Bread Dog. And he never even knew his name because the guy had... And they, and they called him Bread Dog on, on the pre-season tour because the guy had um, mocked up this thing with bread on a dog's face because they all had to come up with a nickname. And he said, I never even knew his name. He was Bread Dog for the next five years I played with him. And James is one of the boys. He's game for up for things. And he'll be up for the challenge. Whether it works or not, I don't know. But I think it's a novel way of promoting. And, and Fight Sports is about... Yes, it's about the great matchups, but it's about promoting as well. Mm. Uh, um, you would obviously I know they're doing 10 in Europe but you would obviously think that his debut would probably at the, be at the O2 Arena or somewhere else in the UK definitely I think it's a it's got to be a London debut I mean you know what I was going to go and say before you interrupt me was that, that not, before we switched the microphone before, <laughs> before you put your hand up and wave to the gallery to turn the microphones off I've had enough of this guy um, what was that um, you know that you know, it was a shame that Michael Venom Page and Paul Daly never headlined against each other in, in the UK mm. in, in, you know, in our prime time, which could have been really sold. But because of the deal with DAZN, worth a meagre 130 million, you know, uh, over three years, DAZN got the say in it. So, you know, it wouldn't make any sense for him to fight anywhere other than kind of, you know, London, you know, on a, on a, on a wet Saturday night um, in February or March or April mm. next year, you know, maybe on the main card because people are going to go, people are going to be interested to see him lose and see him win. Yeah. Same as with Aaron, Char Aaron Chalmers. I think it's important that they do put him on a main card because what happens is, is that it would bring that curiosity and if you stack it with brilliant talent, and we do have some wonderful talent in this country, I mean, a Bellator fighter uh, in Fabian Edwards could maybe fight on that card at the same time, and therefore those rugby fans that are coming along to see James might see Fabian fight and they go, 
I'm going to follow this lad's career. Or, you know, one of my favourite fighters is Aaron Pico. Let's get him over and let's see if we can stick him in there and see where he's at at this moment. In as, as you say, the, the bottom line is, look, it's a very young sport. Um, people... You know, people emerge very quickly in MMA, and I think that's why it's more accepted. Um, I, I think, you know, look how quickly Israel Adesanya suddenly became a star in the in the UFC. Um, you see how quickly um, fighters met. Even Conor McGregor had yeah. a stellar rise. It was, you know, he was a lightning rod for change. And that came about in three years, and he was one of the biggest names in the world, not just in world sport, making the biggest changes. He was the richest athlete for a couple of years outside Floyd Mayweather. I mean, it's extraordinary. And I think because mixed martial arts has this huge pull it, virally on social media. You know, things happen and everybody's on top of it. And it becomes this thing. And it's sometimes outside the strata of the mainstream as well. But it's driven by this undercurrent of interest. And things happen very quickly. And I think that's why it's acceptable for someone who's been in a very physical sport like James Haskell. Listen, if he's chinny, he's done. It's, if he's got to have a chin. And, and, and he's, he probably knows that. Um, so, you know, for someone like James Haskell to come over, we know he's physically very tough. But the biggest thing in all of it, as, as you said at the top of this, he's got incredible stones to want to do this at the age of 34. Because mm -hmm. he's putting himself through it right now, day in, day out, in, in London Shoot Fighters. Because he's, he's a guy, remember, who had a very up-and-down rugby career internationally, until in the end, he knew his position and how to play at six and seven brilliantly. And he was one of England's stars in a couple of uh, Grand Slams. And on the tour of Australia in 2016, I think it was, he was just extraordinary. He was the player of the series. He's a great, great rugby player and a very, very hard man. Let's see if he can do it in the in the, um, in the the fighting arena. Looking forward to the debut. As Me Gareth too. pointed out, uh, 2020 is when we're uh, thinking that that will happen and we'll keep you up to date with it here on uh, Fight Night. Uh, we've got about 15 minutes left, so do stick with us before the boys uh, get here for a little bit of extra time. We've got a bit of boxing chat to come up for you. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. You've set him off. Turn the microphones You've off. Come on. You've set him off. You've set him off. I'm feeling bad. You do go full Neil Diamond. You even mimic the voice when you're doing it, don't you? Do you know what? My great mentor, Colin Hart, whenever I get up and sing like that at the O2 Arena when the when the, the fighters make their walk, he, he grabs me and he says, sit yourself down, son. You know, what are you doing? You shouldn't be enjoying yourself like that. I, I, I can't help but enjoy myself at fight sports. Uh, I, do you know, I, I just think it's amazing that this Sweet Caroline, it, a 1969 really hit, is the is the song now before mm. the main event of fight, you know. In fact, loads of events play it now, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they do. I, I find it really weird, and, and this is no disrespect to any other uh, person of the media who sits in, who's privileged enough to sit in the media seats yeah. and obviously be covering fight sports, whether True. it be boxing or mixed martial arts. But I find it really hard not to get involved in the emotion of the fight. Do you know when it, something's going off? It used to, I remember once going to the UFC and I was told, 
to sit down because I was getting carried away with what I was watching in the octagon. I, I, personally, I'm a fan first and I'm, I'm in. I'm locked into the emotion of the fight. But we are, we have a job, I suppose, to sit there, watch, report. There's no suppose. We've had this <laughs> argument yes. on air before. You, you tell me I, you're off all the time I, I, for no, doing it. Well, no, no I, I get it. I mean, it's a, it's a very, you know, it's a very, there are some incredibly emotive moments when we're witnessing it. But, um, you know. Like tonight I'm, in the green room when I were yelling in the eighth yeah, round. You were on your knees. You were down <laughs> on your knees on the, on the, on the shag pile. You know, you and you were down on your knees on the shag pile rug, kind of getting knee burns because you were running around on your knees screaming, "Come on, finish him!" And you do have those moments, but you know, I, I think you should be able to express them. But I, I do, and we should, we do it. We are very privileged. You're right, but I also think there's. Um, I, I felt real um, adrenaline. I remember when being there when Joe Calzaghe beat Jeff Lacey. Awesome, and it was so amazing to witness. I couldn't sleep for two nights. I remember staying up and writing my piece till five in the morning in Manchester and then driving home and, you know, four hours and still not being tired. And it does give you something special. And I will repeat it as I have many times. Get yourself once in your life, if you enjoy watching it on the box or listening to us or whatever... Get yourself on one occasion with your other half or, um, you know, take your man for a weekend. Go close to a big event and sit close to ringside when you've either got the big men fighting or a big occasion because there is nothing like being at a boxing fight, at a boxing night or an MMA night, yeah. really close to the action. There's nothing like it, Adam. There isn't. Not in sport, not for, not that I've experienced as of yet anyway. Uh, just a quick one before we uh, the, leave these lovely ladies and gentlemen to uh, Jed Mills and the Extra Time Gang. Um, I, just Top wanna, show. I just want to quickly just mention uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, uh, because we've mentioned on it's the show... It's signed now. Well, we've mentioned a couple of times. We, we saw the press conference. Eddie and the gang came out and said, right, we're off to Saudi Arabia. What do you mean Eddie and the gang? It was Eddie and one bloke from Saudi. Well, I was that's there. That's his gang. That's his Omar gang. Sh Omar Khalil. That's it. They came out and they said, right, we're off to Saudi Arabia. The rematch is on. That's what we're going to go and do. We're going to go and do it in Riyadh. However, we never heard anything from Andy Ruiz. The rhetoric that kept coming back was that he signed a contract. He's got to honour the contract. That's what's going to happen. And I said on many occasions on social media, this is going to get messy. Obviously, this week, we have now seen Andy Ruiz come out. He's taken to social media, a very active guy on social media. He's taken to it, and he's confirmed that that fight's going on. So, obviously, someone somewhere has dug deep in their pockets and given him what they wanted. Well, there is that. I mean, I said all along... Money talks, my friend! No, of course it does. No, and he deserved... <laughs> listen, he took the fight on five and a half weeks' notice, um, and he, he defeated Anthony Joshua at Madison Square Garden. He became a Mexican and an American, Mexican-American hero, Andy Ruiz. He's a fantastic young man. Um, he's got a great family. You and I met all his family when we were out there and his lawyer, David Avila, and they're, they're great people. He deserves his moment and he deserves as much as he can possibly get from the rematch. I think he'll end up with $10 million, about £8 million in the end. We believe Anthony Joshua could earn up to £60 million mm. for this fight. That's not even... That's even before the DAZN money comes in from yeah. the American broadcasters. We believe that the the placebo in the end, or, or the or the the sweetener, was Andy Ruiz being allowed, um, being uh, being allowed the Mexican 
um, pay-per-view money that yeah. he'll get from it. So it will take his money high. It may go up well, as the, much the, as 12. Well, the but original what he wanted, Ed, was... Va- but it, yeah, no, that was signed already. But what yeah. he want was, wanted was uh, a sweetener and a better deal. He, but he wanted to know about how the VADA testing was going to work, what safety procedures were in place, yeah. how his family would be treated over there, how he could bring his own food, what all the other logistical factors were, yeah. how soon out would they build a gym for him? Could he be there a month? Would he have X amount of security... It was all those factors that needed um, signing off, T's and C's being crossed, all those things being sorted out before he came out publicly. And yeah, he was just he was just playing a bit, you know, a bit of business game there. It was always going to happen because otherwise it would have ended up in court, and he wouldn't have got his big rematch payday because that's what it was all about for him as well—not just the belts, mm. but m- making money for him to change his family's life. He got about nineteen kids. His lawyer's got about 14. They've got a huge tribe, remember? <laughs> anyway, it's on. December the 7th. We're what do you reckon, by the way? Before we go, what do you, what oh, do you don't reckon? Don't put me on the spot now, man. Don't do this. Listen, Joshua looks less muscled, doesn't he? Yes. And I think he's going to be quicker this time. Yes. But I think we're in... Talk about adrenaline that night. I'm Between to... rounds three and seven, how much adrenaline did you feel while he was being knocked down? Yeah. And you couldn't sleep, could you? <sighs> What's going to pe- happen I'm, this time? I'm Come petrified, on. I'm petrified because <laughs> my, yeah. my, my gut tells me that we're just going to get a repeat. That's what my gut tells me. I don't want to repeat. I want it's, Anthony it, Joshua to regain those belts and let's dance in with the likes of Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Well, it would be year. a great story then, wouldn't it? And, and and it would be the climb back then and, you know, he would, he would find redemption through doing that. That's why it's going to be such an amazing story all the way up to it. Mm. The dust up in the desert. It's on December the seventh. Uh, we've got a cracker next week for you. Make sure you come and join me and Gareth because all week we're going to be sticking microphones in the faces of Vasil Lomachenko and Luke Campbell and everybody else connected to that fight. It's an absolute blockbuster, lightweight world title unification with one of the pound for pound best on the planet in action. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. We're going to be covering it all week and bring you a special show from nine o'clock next Saturday night here on Talksport. Just a final little push for the podcast. All right. You have to subscribe to this. Because I promise I will subscribe in the morning. Not with, you. Uh, You're oh, on it. Okay. I'm talking to people listening to the show. No, if but I'd like to subscribe listen, to it. Listen, if, mean... if you've missed any part of the show, please subscribe <laughs> to the podcast. It's available on iTunes. It's available on the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. Tonight, we've spoken to Peter Fury, Luke Campbell, Shane McGuigan, Charlie Edwards, uh, Lewis Ritson, Robbie Davis Jr. They've all been on the show. So all those guests you can hear on that podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back, tomorrow. Adam. Thank it's you been a pleasure much. tonight. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. 
And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.